You already know this is Punch from Boxing, a.k.a. Mr. Moose. Shout himself. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you at this side of heaven. God bless you all. Fight night tonight. F the NBA. F MOB. It's boxing tonight. Special guest, Coach Anthony. Y'all already know the prestige trainer, world-renowned trainer in the sport of boxing, the phenom. He's going to be timing in. Y'all already know, man. Yo, we're going to be chopping it up. We're going we gonna to talk about the goods, the bads, the ugly, the cutthroat, the loyalty, the blessings, the motivation. Y'all already know, man. A lot of people talk about the fighters, but of course, the trainers is the guy is the is the men and women that mold the fighters, the men and women that mold the warriors, modern day warriors, modern day gladiators. You already know they put the life on the line for a pure entertainment. What's good, black and brown? What's good, big Dan? What's good, Ronald J. Woody? Everybody in the comment box, what's up? What's good? Hope you're having a good Friday. Yo, black and brown boxing, subscribe to this channel. You gonna you're gonna be having that smoke today. Open smoke. World combat. Yo, good looking out for that chat. Chat, 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 chat. What's good? What's good, chat? Six, what's good? Lisa, the queen, was good. France, my friend, mi brother. Now we're ready. Venya for the WBO. Su um, su what was it? No, junior featherweight. Strap. Oh, yeah. Ralph, was good? Platano power. Ya tú sabes, coño. ¿Qué está pasando aquí? Vamos a ver lo que está pasando aquí. Yo, shout out to Michelle Rivera. He's going to be fighting in the undercard of Javante uh, Hand Davis versus Legal Santa Cruz. Halloween. Halloween. Also, we're going to be talking about also predictions. Ryan Garcia, Luke Campbell, December 5th. On the same day, we got Earl Spence and Danny Swift Garcia. And I got a lot of things to say about Danny Swift Garcia as well. A lot of people ain't giving him a chance. A lot of people ain't giving him a chance. I don't know why. I don't know what, what's the narrative. I don't understand, y'all. Danny Garcia. Still one of the top dudes in the welterweight division. Y'all better stop playing with that boy. Canelo Alvarez still don't got no fight. Oscar de la Hoya. I don't know what's going on with the zone. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? But it's going to be a great October. October is lit. It's on fire. Boxing finally got his momentum. I don't remember the last time boxing had this momentum in a long time. I don't remember the momentum every weekend is a fight. Sergey Lipinyet. They postponed the fight to October 24th. Sergey Lipinyet going to be fighting Abdul Kokorov for the IBF. Interim welterweight belt. IBF got an interim. <laughs> when was the last time that the IBF ever had an interim? That shit is crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. What was the last time the IBF had an interim title? I don't know. Ron was good. Everybody in the comment box, you already know, man. Salute. God bless each and every one of y'all. Y'all already know the best investment you can make in the world. Having a personal relationship with God, build it. Man, yesterday was a good stream, y'all. Shout out to everybody that was happy out with Thursday. Karaoke night. <laughs> Who is the man that will risk his life for his brother, man? Punch! Yeah, can you dig it? 
Let me get a shot. Jack Daniels, gentlemen, Jack. Get it in your store, liquor near you. Hey, yo, cut me a check. Cut me a check, Jack. I'm switching over back, back, back to moonshine. Then mando pal carajo. Red glove militant was good. I know this fight is taking a long time, but my boy, trainer, prestige trainer, damn it. All these fighters should be calling this dude if you want to be a champion, a campeon. You got to call Coach Anthony, man. Huh? Every time you take a blow to the head, you be like, my man, what the fuck, man? What's Coach Anthony, son? Fuck. <laughs> Anytime you get a blow in the head, you the fighters got to think about it. Coach, what the fuck? Wait, Coach Anthony, yeah, what the fuck? Huh? Coach, you fired. You fired. <laughs> y'all better stop playing. <laughs> This is a life or death sport. You better have that that your the perfect dude in your corner. Pause. You know, man. Stop it, man. You know, June. June was primal. I don't want to pause throughout the whole damn live like the other day. Yo, punch. You gotta pause that. Can't hey, pause. it, pause that. What's that song by Jada Kiss or something? Or what? What is it? Too grown to be like a hey, yo, whatever. Yo, black and brown. That dear mama. You won the karaoke yesterday. You won the karaoke yesterday. What up, bunch? Happy Friday. God bless you too, man. So, yeah, man. The guest of the night. And look, he's going to be spitting some real ish. Some real ish. All right? And fighters, if you listening, yo, take notes, man. Other trainers, inspiring trainers, take notes, man. Because there's a lot of sacrifices, but also there might be sad stories, too. Not everything is perfect. You know? Not everything is perfect. But, Coach Anthony, it's a man. Y'all talking about the wizard? We all in the yellow brick road, y'all. We all in the yellow brick road. And guys like Coach Anthony, they're the wizard. They're going to implement heart. They're going to implement courage. They're going to implement the text of the fortitude, mental, mental fortitude, all the fortitude you can think of, God damn it. That's the way it is. If you don't got, if you don't got balls, pause. He will instill ball. My fault. You understand what I'm trying to say, all right? Damn, man, I can't even. Testicular fortitude. Let's go with the testicular fortitude type of stuff. If you don't got corazón. You go and steal that corazón in you. If you were going to school scared and the dude called you out in 3 o'clock and you don't show up in 3 o'clock because, oh, man, nah, man, I ain't prepared to fight. Go to Coach Anthony, goddammit. He's going to prepare you. He's going to tell you about that, the, the, the virtual, the virtual um, um, training he does. No excuses. No excuses. Yo. <laughs> Coach... Anthony in the building. <laughs> can I can I have you just run around with me wherever you go? Like I just need somebody to hype me up, man. Like keep me gassed up the whole day. Like <laughs> you got a job, baby. Like I need that right now. Like, You're the truth, son. You're the truth. <laughs> yeah, I need that right now. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I'm blessed. You feel me? So right. I got no complaints. 
I got no complaints. How about you, man? You the hard work out here. Hey, man, you know, I can't, I can't complain, man, especially during the times we're in right now. You know what I mean? A lot of people going through some tough times. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm just blessed to say that it hasn't affected me personally or anybody personally that I'm really close to. So, um, you know, I'm just out here, man, just doing the best I can, like everybody else, doing what I love to do. Thank God and just keeping it moving. You know what I mean? Keep pushing. That's what's up, man. We all got to keep pushing. We all trying to overcome. We shall overcome someday. <laughs> <laughs> we shall overcome someday, man. Yo, let, let's. It's so easy to go into boxing right now, but I mean, let me ask you about current events. I'm gonna ask you about what do you feel we are in society? In society, talking about that, you know, we going through a lot of stuff as humans. We're going through this pandemic and things of that nature. But what do you feel the landscape of society right now? How you feel? It's very. It's very weird. It's a weird dynamic. That's how I feel. It's very weird. Um, you know, you got the pandemic, of course. You know, you got a lot of different opinions on it. You got conspiracy theorists. You got people who believe everything that they hear in the media. You got other people who are skeptical. You got people wearing the mask. You got people who don't want to wear the mask. You got people saying that the mask is necessary. You got other people saying it doesn't work. You got people who are Republicans and you got people who are Democrats, they want to kill each other right now. Um, you know, you got a lot of things going on as far as racial issues. You got a lot of people not happy about some of the things that are going on. You know what I mean? That unfortunately are happening to, to brown and black people on, on, the, on the media side. But then you got another side that has sympathy for the police and they want to get their sympathy and respect also for their sacrifices. So I just think it's a very difficult time. Um, I just think that uh, everybody just needs to, you know, just, just, just be aware that we're all human beings. We're all out here doing the best we can. And of course, we're going to have disagreements. Of course, we're going to have, uh, uh, you know, disagreements. And of course, we might not see eye to eye on everything, but that don't mean that we need to, you know, resort to violence and, and, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I just think it's unfortunate right now what's happening in the world and hopefully we can all figure it out you know what's funny is i see a lot of people on the internet you know talk about uh you know like a racist a, ra a racial division right now you see what i'm saying i see yeah. it on instagram i see it on facebook but what's funny is when i go to the store the other day i went to the store and it crossed my mind there was a black young lady she held the door for an older white lady. The older white lady walked in, said, thank you, miss. And then the lady said, no problem, man. They walked into the store and it was all good. So it's like, I see it on the media, but in the real world, I don't see it, right? In the, where I'm at, at least, where I see it, I see peace. I see people who are actually cool. But when I turn on my phone and I see the internet, I see nothing but drama and all this negative stuff. And it's just like, you know, is that what's really going on in the whole world? Or is that just a select group of people that they got the cameras on? So I don't know. I don't want to be the person to get in the middle of politics, of course. But yeah. that's but that's what's going on right now, unfortunately. And I just hope that we can be strong and get through this. And regardless who gets elected or any of that stuff that's going on, hopefully we can just stay level-headed, focus on what we need to do, protecting our families and doing the best we can. You know what I mean? That's why I I'm at Yo, I agree with you 100%. I feel like, you know, we could all have different opinions, different perspectives, but we could all, I, I believe that we could all come with a concrete understanding. We don't have to agree, but we could come with a concrete understanding of why you may feel like this, why this person may feel like this, but it's not to, you Yo, know. If we all put on a, a song right now, there's five people in the room. 
two of those people might not like the song. So do, do, do they leave the room? Do they get into a fist fight over it? Like we all don't hear the same, we all don't see the same. You yeah. might like doing podcasts and, and, and streams. Somebody might hate it. Somebody mm -hmm. rather read books and write articles or something else. And you might be like, yo, I hate reading. I hate writing. I like to do visuals. I like to talk on camera. You know what I mean? Like me, I'm a learner where I need to learn through visual. I need to learn through people. Like even you behind the scenes been helping me with a couple of things that I appreciate you for. And I have to ask you questions and you like, yo, and you can do it like this. You can do it like that, right? That's how I learned. Somebody like you might say, man, I just go on Google, look it up, figure it out. Everybody yeah. different. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I'm going to send you the bill for that one. I'm going to send you the bill. <laughs> so <laughs> no, tax, tax. <laughs> no, but yeah, man. I, and I think, you know, I feel like you know, we should all have this type of camaraderie that I think that a natural being or a natural being as human is to be good to one another. We know right from wrong. We don't got to read to know what's right from wrong. You know, we, we this is a natural being to be good people. You know, I think we learn to be bad, but I think naturally, I think. Perfect, right. None of us are perfect. We all got a past. We all got something that, you know, we're not proud of in our life that I guarantee, you know what I mean? We probably don't like bringing up. We don't have to, but at the end of the day, you know, that's what makes us beautiful, right? That's what makes human beings beautiful that we make mistakes and we're the most forgiving, you know, people like we forgive each other regardless of the mistakes. So, you know, I just think that, um, we always have to be aware and look in the mirror before we judge other people. Like, hold up, am I really as good as I'm trying to like point the finger at this guy? But who am I to point the finger? You see what I'm saying? How can I tell somebody what's right or wrong when I done did wrong in my life? You know what I mean? So it is what it is. Yeah, man. For me, what I love about boxing is that boxing, I always say it translates to, to life itself. Boxing translates to life itself. It has its ups and downs. It has your, you got to adapt. You got to take a knee sometimes in life. You got to step back. You got to give up a round so you can, you know, um, you know, get back in the corner, stand back, listen to instructions. You can't shortcut life. You see it in boxing. If you show, if you shortcut your training, if you try to cheat in your training, what's going to happen in the ring? So I see boxing. When I'm watching a boxing fight, I see like I could see my life or I could see just a life in, in, in the sense of, damn, this guy is he's 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 digging deep. He's he's losing, but then he's winning. Sometime at the end of the day, you might not win. You might not win or you might not get everything that you that, that you wanted in life, but you could be content in the end of the day. Or sometimes you just win it all and you get whatever that you put you you put in. And but once you finish, I mean, once you want to you finish this life, this 12 round bout that we all in, you want to go like in your by the time you hit that deathbed, you'd be like, you know what? I lived the life. You know, and that's yeah. why I, yeah, it's I, like it's like a fight. If I'm gonna lose a fight, I want to lose a fight knowing that I gave it all I got. I don't want to lose a fight knowing that I had some in the tank. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to go back. You don't want to be that guy that goes back to the locker room like, damn, yo, I, I could have did more. Like, yo, if I lose, I lose. You feel what I'm saying? Like, but I tried and I yeah. went for it and I tried to win. And and you know what I mean? I think that's how life is. So you're exactly right. Boxing is the perfect metaphor for like every aspect you can compare it to real life. In every aspect, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. So, man, how's the life of a trainer? How's your life as a trainer? Man, right now it's, it's a lot different than it was a year ago. You know what I'm saying? I will say uh, I'm not working with the fighters as much as I would like to. Um, I have a group of amateur boxers that, you know, really relied on me for a while that I'm not working with consistently, unfortunately, right now. But 
it's due to the fact that we don't have any fights coming up. There's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of uncertainty going on right now. So I had to take a step back from that for a little bit. Um, but, you know, the life of a trainer, man, is um, it's it's an interesting life because, you know, you have to put these these athletes, you know, what I mean, as a main priority, you know, their life in a sense comes before ours as far as priorities. Uh, you know, if a fighter has a big fight coming up, he needs your, you know, he needs you. You know what I mean? You, you need to help him through his training. You have to help him through his psych, you know, his psycho, psychological. You know what I mean? He may need you at certain times. If it's a professional fighter, you got to work on their schedule. You know what I mean? So you may have something personal you want to do, but the fighter trains at that time. And, uh, you know, if he's a fighter and he's the professional and he's the one paying you, you got to work on his time. So it just becomes a big thing where it's like they come before you, you know, as far as priorities go. And in a sense, I should say, within reason. And, um, you know, and, and you become like a big brother or a father figure to a lot of these fighters. You know what I mean? For the pros, mm. more like a big brother or a yeah. brother because I'm not that much older than them like some of these other trainers. But for the amateurs, I'm more like a really big brother or even a father figure. I work with kids that are 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. And, you know, I'd be having to take them under my wing like they might, like my sons sometimes. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, at least teach them certain things that they need to learn that, that, that will help them in life and help them in the ring. Because for me, boxing is a lot deeper than just boxing. It's not just about throwing punches, jab crosses, and hooks. It's about just becoming a better person. It's about you know, being disciplined, staying focused, uh, you know, completing your tasks. And uh, these are the skills that you learn as a boxer. You learn to complete tasks, learn to follow through, you learn to give it all you got. And uh, these are skills that will carry on with you throughout life, whether you decide to fight or not. Yeah. I was thinking about the evolution. I'm looking at every other sport. It has its evolution. Now, you, you're a young trainer, right? But you attain a lot of wisdom. I don't see boxing as having an evolution like other sports. But do you think that there's an evolution in the sport of boxing? Do you think there's an evolution in training? Because there's a lot of people that be like, you know what? They got to go back to the old school training. What is the old school training? But I can understand because I don't see the evolution of boxing. Like, think about it. Mike Tyson. You look at Mike Tyson, you look at the heavyweights today. I mean, I, I think that Mike Tyson is still the, it, it, he has his evolution, but I don't, it's, it's not like, it's not like, put it this way, in NBA, you see Allen Iverson, he crawled, he had the crossover, and everybody did the crossover, but you see that crossover now is a regular dribble now. It's a regular, it's just a, it's a regular dribble. It's not, it's not, you know, but it keeps going up. It keeps going. Dude, just, Michael Jordan was just, you know, from the line, I do this cocking it back, and they doing windmills off the line, but in boxing, I don't see no evolution. Is there, is there could it be an evolution in boxing? Oh, yeah, I think so, for sure. I think that boxing has evolved in in its own way. Maybe not in the way that you're thinking, but it definitely has evolved. If you look at if you look at boxing, even even the great fighters of the 80s and the, and the 90s, and then you start looking at the new guys like the, the Terrence Crawfords and, and the Canelo Alvarez's, there's differences there. Um, but Boxing at the end of the day is still boxing. I think back in the day, you just had more guys that were involved with the sport. So, for instance, more athletes trained with boxing in the 80s and the 90s. It was a much more prevalent sport. You had more people who aspired to be boxers. 
Now you got guys who want to play football, play basketball. They're getting pulled in different directions. They're becoming entrepreneurs. We got the internet now. There's a lot more options. Back then, you had the best athletes were becoming boxers. And uh, you had a lot of people who really loved boxing. There were trainers and teachers, and they were really teaching boxing. And now you have less teachers and more trainers. And um, that's the only unfortunate part about it. But I do see evolution as far as how fighters move. If you look at how they move now, they seem to they seem to not use as much footwork, not as much bouncy rhythm. They seem to step a little bit more, conserve a little bit more energy. But at the same time, I feel like they've lost some of the the things that the fighters from the 80s and the 90s had, you know? So I think it's like a give or take there. But also the training has evolved, you know? Fighters now are training now with conditioning coaches and they use, they got the better supplements and stuff like that. Back in the day, it was old school, hardcore, you know, just work. So. You know, it's a funny dynamic, man, but I definitely think that boxing will continue to evolve. It's just, you know, we just have to see the direction it goes. So what do you, what do you feel like what was what, what do you feel like you could bring to the to, to the table to evolutionize the game? To evolutionize the game, that's a good question. I never thought of it that way, but for me, you know, what I like to do is I just like to give the answers to the questions. So I know how I learned. You know what I mean? I know how I learned. When I ask questions, I constantly ask questions. I need answers and I need them answers to be simple because mm -hmm. if you give me a complicated answer, I'm, I'm still basically going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, congratulations. What did you just say? I don't know what you just said. Like, can you say that again? You know what I mean? I need somebody to be like, this is how you do it, Anthony, A, B, C. So when I teach, I want it to be that simple for somebody. So what I could bring to the table, I think for an athlete is I got the answers for the questions. If I teach something and you don't agree or you don't understand what I'm teaching, you just ask. And then we'll yeah. go over it. And then we'll go over whatever you think is wrong. And then we'll go over why I think what I'm doing is correct. And if I'm wrong, which doesn't happen much, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you know that we'll, we'll take it. You know, we'll accept it. But I'm a big student of the fundamentals and the art of boxing. I'm a huge student. I probably know more about the skill base of boxing that I do know about boxing as a whole. You know, I might not be a big historian of the sport like some of these guys are that they could tell you who fought in 1949 or not, but I can explain to you what can happen in this situation and that situation. And it's just because I've been studying the sport my whole life. And, you know, I've been around some good people, good teachers, good fighters, and, you know, and I'm continuing constantly studying and continuing to learn, you know? So the so so basically it has to be it has to it has to be like a team effort the trainer and 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 the fighter has to be special. It has Absolutely. to yeah yeah like the fighter obviously it's it's like when people ask me what's more important uh, offense or defense in boxing mm -hmm. and I tell them it's a 50-50 thing right you got to have fifty percent offense fifty percent defense one yeah. once you know, lacking too much in one area, you might get away with a 60-40. You might get away with a 70-30. But at the end of the day, boxing is 50-50, right? I'm throwing punches, I'm blocking punches. I'm throwing punches, I'm slipping punches. I got to do both. It's the same thing. If the trainer's putting all the effort, but the fighter's not, or if the trainer's talented, but the fighter is uncoordinated, or if the fighter's got all the will and determination, but the trainer's not, uh, the trainer's not, uh, dedicated to the fighter and the trainer's not teaching them, then that's, that's not a team, right? We need to be 50-50. So a trainer needs to be putting in half of the work. 
the fighter needs to prove half no work and then you get 100%. And I just think that, or you could say 100 and 100 and it's 200%, whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, they both got to give each other the equal amount of effort. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I feel like, I, I do feel like, you know, it does take, it does take a special trainer and a special fighter, you know, and timely, timely. And it's like the Roy Jones. You can't just fight a Roy Jones out of nowhere. You can't find a Mayweather, Pernell Whitaker. You know, how you, fight, you know how you find those guys? It's just like, it's just like business, right? The harder you work, the luckier you get. So if you're a trainer and you're staying in the game, you're constantly working, you're constantly available, you're constantly trying. One day, whether it's early in your career or late in your career, you know what I mean? You will end up getting somebody to walk through those doors. You know what I'm saying? So the way I look at it is just like opportunity strikes when you're prepared. You know what I mean? You know, when you've done all the hard work as a coach and you soaked up the knowledge and you're ready to give it to somebody and you're constantly there and you're consistent, you know, people just come into your life. You know what I mean? I came into the game um, and relatively quickly have got great, talent that just came to me and i didn't have any accolades as a world x world champion like some of these trainers or ex olympian or anything right i just came into the game showed showed and proved that i'm a hard worker that i'm willing to learn that i know what i know and the next thing you know guys start coming to me and and you know i was able to showcase what i was able to produce you know what i mean and um it just, it just, that's how it worked for me. So I know that's how it could work for somebody else. There's a trend in boxing. Then now, when you, there's a, when you interview a boxer nowadays and you ask, have you seen your opponent? It seems like now all these, I don't know, they got, I don't know if they got it from Floyd, but now they add, they'd be like, we don't, I don't watch film. What is this new thing about these new boxers that they don't watch film? Or, or do they trust their trainer enough that their trainer will do the homework and they just got to listen to the trainer? They don't need to do that. Or should fighters watch film? Or it should be a trainer's job? What do you think? Because oh. I think it's 90% of the fighters say they don't watch film no more. I don't know. Maybe it's like an ego thing. I ain't watching you. I'm going to beat your ass. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's different. Honestly, I think that's a case-by-case -case situation. I'll tell you why. I think that if a fighter watches too much film of his opponent, that can get into his head and mess with his psychological. Because you start to see the stuff that guy does good. So mm -hmm. let's say, for instance, you're fighting Canelo Alvarez, and I put on Canelo Alvarez's best highlights of him knocking people out. And the only thing you see is Canelo, boom, knocking people out. And you just watching like, oh, snap. That can mess with your psychological, too. So it's kind of hard for a fighter to just soak up another fighter over and over and over. Now, Ask those same fighters if they saw when their opponent got knocked out. If they did, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I saw when he got knocked out. See, they'll be okay with watching their opponent get their ass beat, but how much of the good stuff do they want to watch? That's the real thing. That's the real truth of it. And a lot of it has to do with the psychological effect it has because now you know that guy is threatening in an area and you might start to believe the hype in a way, and now you may not fight up to your potential because now you're cautious. So I think that for a fighter to watch film is case by case. Some guys might thrive off of that. Other guys might need to stay away from that. You know what I mean? Just so they can go ahead and stay focused on their training and they trust their coaches. So I think boxing, in in, in a whole, boxing is a very case by case sport. Okay. Food for one fighter is poison for another. So, you know, with this works in this camp, 
might hurt another fighter. So you have to know your fighter. You have to know your athlete very well. Yeah, I think when uh, I also uh, I would like to ask you this because I I think an elite fighter, an elite fighter, and let's say an accomplished fighter. Um, I think at this stage for trainers or for the fighter, I think it's more about game planning. An example, Triple G. Triple G is already proven. Let's say he's having a new trainer. I don't think that he's having a new trainer for technique. I think it's more game planning. How much you how, how much how important is for a trainer not to just teach him the 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 tools and, and the technique, but how important is game planning? Because I feel like like there is trainers that is good with technique and all of that, but game planning, it does it doesn't translate timely fashion in the corner. How much is how much how much is game planning? How important it is? Yeah, I mean having a good set of eyes with a good boxing IQ is is, is very important. So I think that um game planning uh within reason is very good. I think that you always have to leave that little wiggle room for the unexpected, right? Because Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. So maybe you game plan a certain way, and now this fighter fights totally different than he fought previously because he understood that you might have been trying to game plan for that. So when yeah. you game plan, I think that you have to game plan to a – there has to be some sort of a within reason. So, you know, if you notice that your fighter likes to drop his left hand after a jab, Maybe you game plan to time the right hand over the top. If you notice little things like that. But, like, to make a complete game plan, like, this is exactly how the fight is going to play out, that can work also. Because what happens is if you got an aggressive fighter that you're fighting, and maybe he expects you to stay on the back foot and box him from the outside, but maybe you surprise him and you decide to be the aggressor and push the action. Now that's a game plan. You decided to press the action. He thought you were going to back up. And you ended up in turn throwing him off, messing up his game plan. So, yes, game planning is important. But you also have to say to yourself, what if the game plan don't work? So you just have to leave wiggle room for a fighter to just be able to operate on his own, see things in the moment, make adjustments round by round. So you can go ahead and just, you know, so like I said, game planning works, but it can't be the end all be all because sometimes the game plan doesn't work. Then what? You know, so let me ask you a question. You were on the corner with Tevin Farmer. He lost to Jojo Diaz. What was the game plan and what would you change? What would you implement and change for the next fight, for the rematch? Yeah, I mean, there's there's several things that went wrong. There were several things that went wrong in that camp as a whole. You know what I mean? That um, it's really not my place to speak right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let Tevin speak about it because he wants to speak publicly about the whole thing. So I'm going to just sit okay. back and do him on that one. But, yeah. I thought that the game plan could have been different. I thought that there were some things that could have been different. But at the end of the day, uh, he was also dealing with, you know, a weight cut issue and other things that sound like excuses. Like we we talked, you know, off the record about how when a fighter, when a fighter starts to make up, not make up, when a fighter starts to bring up things like weight cuts and injuries and, Family problems. It always sounds like an excuse. Yeah. And boxing is a very unforgiving sport, right, guys? And, you know, guys don't want to ever give these fighters the benefit of the doubt that those things are actual facts. Oh, yeah, you're saying that now. Why didn't you say it before? Yeah. Not knowing that. How can you say that before a fight? 
If you say that before the fight, you ruin the magnitude of the fight. So you can't say it before the fight. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm going to let Tevin talk on those things. But yes, there would be a different game plan in place. And there would be things done differently in training that would definitely give Tevin a much better uh, chance to win in a rematch. And I believe that Tevin can beat Jojo Diaz. I really honestly 100% feel that he can beat Jojo Diaz as long as the training goes well, the, the, the cut goes well, and that he follows what he's supposed to do. I think a 100% focused, ready Tevin Farmer can beat a Jojo Diaz without a doubt. And what we need to talk about is why doesn't Jojo Diaz want to give Tevin Farmer his rematch when it was in the rematch clause, when Tevin gave him a chance to fight him, when Tevin didn't have to give him a chance. That's what we need to talk about. We need to call Jojo Diaz, bring him on here right now. I want to hear what Jojo Diaz got. Damn it, somebody give me the damn number to Jojo Diaz. I want to hear what Jojo Diaz got to say about that. Jojo, let me see, man. He's on Twitter or something. I know know he be tweeting somewhere. (laughs) Shoot him, shoot him a DM. You know damn, I'm going to shoot him right now. Jojo, come on, Jojo. So, <laughs> yo, I'm going to shoot him a DM. I'm, I'm yeah, just Coach Anthony, Tevin Farmer's coach, wants to know why don't you want to honor the rematch clause that was in the contract when you were so generously given a title shot when you weren't even a mandatory? I would love to know. Joshua, Joshua, hey, Joshua, eh? Give him the, the, the follow the clause, man. It's not that difficult. Damn right, man. Yo, this is what I said. My, my prediction to that fight. Oh, look at it right there. Look at it right there. Jojo, I find you. Find you, Jojo. In the in the in the in my prediction, I said, okay. There is this notion that Tevin Farmer does. I mean, he's not he's not a knockout artist, right? So I said, looking at the, the, the Gary Russell fight, and I'm looking at the championship rounds of the Gary Russell fight, Jojo Diaz figured out that, you know what? This guy really can't, he's not going to knock me out, you know? And then when I was watching the seven, when I was doing the study on that fight, and that's the 7th fight, I said, I mean, on the Jojo Diaz fight, I'm like, I don't think that seven form is going to keep him off him. Now, I, didn't, I don't know if he was going to be effective aggression, but I felt like he's not going to keep him off him. That Jojo Diaz would have to press, 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 press. And, I, and, and that's what he did. And in the live commentary, I'm like, yo, if he does that, he, he's going he's gonna to win the fight. So, well, yeah, that's, 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 the, what, that's the way I saw it. That, I mean, that wasn't a bad prediction on your behalf at all. But the, the thing is, you have to also look at how Tevin performed. Tevin didn't do anything that Tevin normally does. It was a point where Tevin was looking up at the uh, up at the sky and people thought that he had some kind of a brain trauma. It was to the degree where he actually had to go to the hospital after the fight because mm-hmm. they thought that he encountered some kind of brain trauma. But what, like I said, people mm-hmm. don't know about a poor weight cut that had his body acting in an abnormal way, right? So with that being said, that was not a 100% Tevin Farmer. Now, I don't want to go ahead and make excuses. I don't want to speak too much on the situation without him coming out publicly speaking about it first. But at the end of the day, we have to also be real. It's like when you saw, um, you know, I don't know, Mike Tyson fight Buster Douglas the first. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew something wasn't right. Like, yo, like, what's wrong? Like, I could understand if you was Mike and you still lost, but there was something off that night. There was something off with Tevin Farmer that night. And 
the people who really follow Tevin Farmer, the people who know Tevin Farmer know he wasn't performing at his best. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Jojo Diaz isn't a fantastic fighter. I think he's a fantastic fighter. He was an Olympian. I thought he did damn well when he fought Gary Russell Jr. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a Jojo Diaz realist. I'm not a guy who say he's going to say, Jojo Diaz, you a bum. My fighter's way better than you. I'm not doing that. I give him his props, salute him for what he could do. But let's just go ahead and be real. That wasn't a 100% Tevin Farmer, and you should have been given Tevin Farmer his immediate rematch, no questions asked, period. I'm hitting I'm hit, I'm hit Jojo Diaz right now. I'm tweeting him right now. Right now. <laughs> Coach Anthony. Damn you. <laughs> I'm about to tweet him. Dad, we're going to get lit up in here. Coach Anthony. Oh, so explain to the people what's your role? What's your role on um on Tim Farmer's corner? What's your role? I'm just one of his coaches. So he has four coaches: me, yeah. Chino Rivas, Nick Rosario, and another guy by the name of Edwin Rosario, who's on on board now. And um, we all just we all just give him a different perspective on what we feel he should be doing. For a very long time, um, he was trained by Rasheen Jefferson. And Chino Rivas, they were the two head trainers. Then Tevin went, out, went ahead and bought me on board, and he bought on uh, Nick, and he bought on Edwin. So Tevin always liked to have a variety of coaches. That's kind of his way. He likes to have different information from different people. Um, so that's basically my role. I'm just one of the one of the, the voices in his ear during camp and during training. So we all have, you know, our own methods, our own philosophies. And I mm-hmm. guess he just likes to learn from more than one person. So, hmm. D- that, well, who, somebody's the head trainer, right? Somebody make the calls. Who makes the calls? Well, well, yeah, well you could say you can give that credit to Chino Rivas, was always his head trainer. Okay. Chino, he was the one who, who has worked all his corners, conducted his camps. Um, you know, but as a as a moving forward now, everybody has kind of an equal role. So before it, before it was Chino Rivas and everybody was basically just working with him, but now it's everybody's an equal role. So I don't know who's going to be in the corner for the very next fight or how we're going to do that. But as far as the training camps go, we all have a good role. Coach Anthony got to be on that corner, Tevin. He yeah. got to call the shots. <laughs> we don't want that corner to be like Deontay Wilder and be like, yo, you're going to throw the towel. Nah, don't throw the towel. You're going to throw the towel. Yo, you better throw the towel. Nah, 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 nah. The good thing, the good thing about everybody in the team, you know, everybody would go with each other. And, you know, at the end of the day, everybody has a voice. So, you know, as long as everybody's voice is heard, you know what I mean? That's all that really matters. As long as Tevin's listening and, 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 you know, it can, it can go. But yeah, I like, I like where you're going with this. I like being, I like being the H and I C if if possible. That's what I'm talking about, man. That. I'm definitely feeling that, but you know, it is what it is, man. I'm just blessed to be here and I'm happy to be with a guy like Tevin Farmer. He's a phenomenal person and a beautiful person and inside in, in and outside the ring. If you get a chance to meet him, I guarantee you have the same things to say about him. Debo. Debo. No, no, but I, I I well from the outside looking in and looking at the videos and looking, I, I, it seems like y'all have a chemistry. Oh, yeah, like, sure. like I don't have to ask the question. Does you have a chemistry? It does. Just it does. It just looks like you have a chemistry. 
Well, it's crazy because, you know, Tevin Farmer does a lot of beautiful, when he's on point, right? The Tevin yeah. Farmer, we all know. He's, he's been compared mm -hmm. to Sweet Pea Whitaker. Let's just be real. He's no, Sweet Pea. Um, yeah. People have actually made comments because they see my style of teaching and say, wow, man, the stuff you taught Tevin Farmer is fantastic. What people don't realize is I got with Tevin during the Kenichi Ogawa camp, which means that was his first world title camp. So he already was doing that stuff. And he was okay. doing that stuff naturally. Like, Tevin's a natural fighter. He's a guy that I feel like he's a guy that doesn't even know what he's doing. It just happens for him. Like, he'll do a dope move, and you'll be like, what did you just do? He'll be like, I don't know what I just did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's yeah. one of those type of guys. Just a natural, instinctive fighter. So when I work with him now and I teach him some of the stuff that he's actually already doing, yeah. even like yo that's crazy because i'll be doing that and i'm like it's like second nature our, our styles mesh because i like to teach guys how to bend the way shoulder roll and do little things that he was already doing since the amateurs you know what i'm saying so terra farmer is just a natural fighter and we click because we have a similar philosophy through about how i like boxing to be you know what i mean hey that's how you got to be the hnic you feel me and you're young, and you're young. I mean, hey, young trainers are. Look at Eddie Reynoso. Eddie Reynoso is a young trainer too. You know, right, right, right. And I just think that you know, sometimes, hey, man, you could be right. You know what I mean? But that's not my job to make the, the that final decision. But at the end of the day, I'm good with whatever role I got with Tevin. He's my man. Yeah, yeah. No, don't worry. I'm not trying to throw anybody from the team under the bus. You know, right, you, right, me, right. you know, you just got to give them a call. And say, yo, 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 you want to be a champion again? I said, you want to be a champion again? He's going to be a champion again, no matter what, man. Trust me. He'll be there. He'll get it. Hey, JoJo. You know, I tweeted to JoJo Diaz. I tweeted. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to duck. I mean, it looks like that's, I mean, that's, that's what he's been doing. He's yeah. already fucking Tevin, so, I mean, I don't know. It seems like it might be who he is. I don't know. Ooh. I ain't trying try to say nothing or anything. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to. I ain't trying to call a spade a spade. You feel me? It's a rematch clause, though. <laughs> he signed a contract, right? Right, 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 right. Hey. But moving on, man. Moving on. Moving on from, from, from JoJo Diaz. Yeah, we if we respond, though, we come back to it, though. I'm cool Yeah, with that. man. I'm, I'm going to take a little shot, you know, um, Jack Daniels, you know, gentleman. I feel like a gentleman today. Feel me? Right, Yesterday, right. I felt like a Roddy Roddy. Piper type of dude, but today I feel like a gentleman today, man. Salud, right, man. Right. Salud. It's not drink chance, but shout out to Nori. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up listening to Nori, man. <laughs> he a wild dude too. Nori, man. He's, He's like a, he raised me. He was one of my fathers. Him, Nas, Jay Z, Biggie, all of them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? Man, it's too difficult, man. Too Top difficult. five. Top five. Top five rappers of all time? For you, for you. You. Your your playlist. I mean, if I had to make a top five, you know, we're gonna have to go with the with the big, the Pac, the Nas. Big Pac Nas. You gotta have a spot for my man Big Pun in there. You gotta have uh so you got big Pac Nas, you got big pun. Um, you gotta there's somebody on oh Jay-Z. How can I forget Jay-Z? I mean, the goats, man. You know what I mean? Those are the goats. And then, you know, I, I got my personal little guys I like to listen to. Like, I always love Young Jeezy. Young Jeezy's like one of my favorite rappers of all time. I can't put him in a top five category, but yeah. he's in my 
a top five playlist type guy. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. like that kind of guy. So you know, I just like I just like hip hop, man. I like all the best artists. I like down south artists too. You know what I mean? So yeah, know, I, yeah. Like, I like the goats though. We know who the goats are from New York, man. Those are the real goats. I mean, I, I mean, they by now they be going people that's going to be arguing. You know. I mean, the generation going to probably be like, who the hell you, like, come on, man. But it's the truth. Like, those, those are my goats. I'm sure these new guys going to say, like, Drake and and what's his young, what's the young boy name? Um, You know. Uh, little something, because there's a lot of littles. So it's somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, you had the kid. What's the kid's name, man? He's like Nas. He's like Nas, but he's not Nas. J. Cole. J. Cole. J. Cole. Then you got the kid from Cali. He's like another one. Um, What's this? I be forgetting these guys' names, yo. That's how I know. We like, yo, it's like getting old. Yeah, you the one that's getting, the one that's getting punched in the head. Nah, I thought I thought, thought you the one with the mitts. <laughs> yo, that shit vibrates. You heard when you vibrates, go see your shoulder. Like, oh, I see. Vibrate, I, see. You know what I, mean? I see. What the hell is his name? I know I got. Oh, the one, Doctor Dre. Ah, at least he got to make another song so I can remember. So I can remember him. Anyway. Kendrick Lamar, Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. Lamar, yeah, yeah, Kendrick, 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 Kendrick Lamar. You got J. Cole, you got Drake. Like them guys are gonna be with these guys. You know, guys like that, they're gonna be like, yo, how can you? So you know, we all gonna disagree, but hey, you can't front. Like when you go back and you listen to an old Nas album, or if you go and you listen to a to an old, uh, you know, if you listen to Jay Z's catalog, if you listen to these guys, you be like, like these guys really the goat. Like seriously, like they really. Really? It was just a different style, man. Even the performance was just a different style. But that's what I mean about even in boxing. Like for me, I don't see that there, there was an evolution in hip hop. I mean, it plateaued somewhere. It plateaued. I well, feel yeah, okay. So look, I'm gonna be honest. I think that I think that boxing, hip hop are very similar in that regard. You had the golden eras, and it's like the '90s was the golden era for hip hop, right? Like '99, like '97 to like 2000, and like I don't know, three, four was like. You had just like the best rappers, like boom. And then you had um boxing was like the early late 80s, early 90s. You know what I'm saying? Late 80s, uh, yeah, Tupac's a legend, of course. Like, listen, you can't even deny it. Like, Pac just has such a catalog of just deep music. You know what I mean? But you know, you, you look at the the boxers from the late 80s and the 90s, man, like the early 90s, man. That was one of the dopest heavyweight eras ever. And Middleweight yeah. ever, man. You know what I'm saying? The mid-90s. Middleweight ever was crazy. Um, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like I can't. Featherweight era, man. You had Marco Antonio Barrera, Eric Morales, them type of guys in the early 2000s, late 1990s, to early 2000s. Those are the guys that I grew up watching. Them guys were fantastic fighters. And um, these new guys, you don't have as many. I think we have good fighters now. You just don't have as many, like... The fighters that are considered good now only considered good because they don't have as much competition. Now I got in the I, I got in a heated debate. What was going on back then? I don't know if they would be even considered. I got in a heated debate. I got in a heated debate, and I was vouching for this era with the welterweights. I was having a, a heated debate with the welterweights of this era than the past era. You know, the Sugar Ray Leonard, and when the Rebel the Rebel Duran moved up to to fight Sugar Ray Leonard, whatever. And I'm like. This is the golden era. Like when people, I mean, this, if you look at the welterweight division, you got Earl Spence, he already fought Kell Brook when Kell Brook was the top, uh, one of the top welterweights. You got Keith Thurman Porter, you had Danny Swift Garcia Thurman, you have Porter Thurman, you got Ugas Porter. If you really think about it, these guys are fighting each other 
The problem is that you're not fighting the fight that the fans want to see now. But the top what's always still fighting one another. But the other problem is the only debate I can give you there is those these guys aren't as good as those guys, in my personal opinion. Like when you look at the Pernell Whitakers, when you look at the Oscar De La Hoyas, when you look at the Julio Cesar Chavez, the Melgic Taylors, then you got the Sugar Ray Leonard's and the and the and the Aaron Pryors and and these type of guys and the Roberto Durans, like this is a totally different caliber of fighter. Like imagine a prime Roberto Duran in Maidana shoes. You know what I'm saying? What he would have did to like an Adrian Broner or one of them guys. You know what I'm saying? You saw the problems he even gave Floyd Mayweather. Imagine Sugar Ray Leonard fighting um, I don't know, Danny Garcia. You see what yeah. I'm trying to say? Imagine <laughs> Pernell Whitaker fighting uh, a prime Pernell Whitaker fighting Kel Brook. You dig what I'm saying? Like these guys were the golden era, man. You're talking about the then highest level. My point. Then huh? you proving my point. Then you proving my point. The that it hasn't evolved. That it hasn't. That it hasn't evolved. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like now they're they're trying to do. I feel like it's, it, it evolved in a way where. I don't know how to word this properly. Evolved in a way where it's different, not better. If that makes sense. I feel like fighters fight differently now than they fought before. So my definition of evolving is not the same. Your definition of evolving is improving. I don't know what the correct term, the correct definition of evolving is, but my definition is different. So when I look at these fighters fight today, they do things a little bit differently, not real different, a little bit different. And I also feel like they do less. I feel like back then they used to do more. They used to use all the tools that boxing taught. They used to pull all the tricks out the hat. Now these guys only pick out a couple of cute things and they stick with what works for them. You know what I'm saying? Do you think it's the business? Do you think it's the business that make the change their style? That, you know, because, cause, okay, some people going to look at how successful Flo Mayweather is. And if he's going to have, he's going to be one of the most, he is the most lucrative fighter ever. And then you see his style. So his style won him fights and got him the biggest payday. So why do I have to fight like a like a, 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 a Toro Gotti if I could fight safe and I could make the most money and trash and trash talk? Well, this is the problem. These guys aren't Floyd Mayweather. And another thing is Floyd Mayweather used to do. I mean, Floyd Mayweather is cut from the cloth of yeah, those yeah. Guys that I mentioned. He Pretty is, boy. He's cut from the. Pernells and the Sugar Rays and the Marvin Hagler's and the Durant. Trust me when I tell you. When Floyd Mayweather was 17 years old, I seen an interview when he was, or, or somebody, him talking somewhere, when he was 17 years old, he was beating up Frankie Randall in the gym. And Frankie Randall had just beat Julio Cesar Chavez when Julio Cesar Chavez was 89 and 0. Floyd was beating him up in the gym at 17 years old. Now, Floyd Mayweather is a special fighter. He does everything fundamentally that you can ask for as a trainer. He uses his jab in his prime. He used his jab, he used his lead right hands, his check hooks, he shoulder roll, he bend the waist, he threw combinations. He had good speed, good power, fantastic footwork. Then you get guys that try to mimic Floyd Mayweather and they can only do one thing that he does, two yeah. things that he does. So now you're limiting yourself 
because you're trying to be somebody you're not, and then you're not growing to your fullest potential. So the problem with these new guys thinking that they're Floyd is the main thing. You're not Floyd. Floyd yeah. was really a bad boy. Like Floyd was one of the best amateurs. He should have won the gold, right? And then he went ahead and he was a damn good professional. And um, if not one of the best in history, arguably, and mm -hmm. um, it'd be hard to debate that. I mean, a lot of people debate it, and I, I can understand why. But, I mean, he has beat more world champions. He has beat some great fighters. And, um, you know, he's shown all the numbers. And you know, I can understand why somebody may want to mimic him. I mean, you, you always want to mimic the person who's successful. But you also have to remember what that person did. That guy really put in the work to get there. You can't cheat the grind. We talked about this before. Yeah. You can't cheat it. He didn't, Floyd didn't cheat the grind. No. I know he brought his paper and he acts real flamboyant and he can come off as arrogant. But let's be honest, that man put in work and that man. Oh, yeah, that was personality. I think that's what it is with Floyd, his character. Like, let's say I was a, I was a big Floyd fan. But I hated that that um 24-7 when he went after his dad. Like I I I am like, nah, man. Yeah, that hurt. I think that hurt everybody. I think he know, I think he knows he fucked up. Yeah. I mean, I, they're good now. No, 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 yeah, they're good now. But for me, at that that time, I'm like, nah, that's messed up, bro. Not like before, that. Bro. We talked about this before, you know what I mean? We talked about this before. Like, what happens with these fighters and these trainers? These fighters forget, and look, even a son forgets where he learned the game from. He forgot for that moment. For yeah. that moment in his life, he really thought he did that on his own. Mm -hmm. Well, he did his Uncle Roger the props in that video, but I think he did that more of spite to piss his dad off. That's all fair. He knew that's what would trigger his dad. He knew yeah. how to stab him, you know what I'm saying? So I just think it's a personal thing there. That was way more deep-rooted than boxing. I really believe that he didn't believe that. And he even went ahead and said that his father's the best trainer in a future interview. So yeah. um, I, I think that he just really just threw a low blow and it's unfortunate that it happened on national television for us to see. I don't think that we should have been able to witness something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, I think that's going overboard on your marketing, you know what I mean? But Floyd Cena is a fantastic man. He was a fantastic fighter. I, I know him personally. And he's just a really genuinely a good person, man. And uh uh, you know, I hate to see that he had to go through that, but as you can see, he didn't hold it against his son. You know, hey, that's his son. Yeah, that's his son. Yeah, he didn't hold it against. So I'm happy to see that. Yeah, my son, he missed he missed a couple homeworks. You know, um, virtual virtual school, and I was tight at him. I'm like, yo, why you told me you did this, man? Like, yo, but I was mad. He like that. I'm sorry that I, I I disappointed you. I don't want to disappoint you and stuff like that. I'm like, but I was mad. I'm like, you know what? Then he'd be like. Yo, you want to play video games or something? I got you, man. I can't right. stay mad at my son for that long. I can't. That's like, beautiful, man. I would hate to see relationships ruined over something, you know, that, you know, later on in life, you look at it and you're like, damn, man, like, I really let that take you that far. Like, you know what I mean? It sucks, man, because that's what happens a lot. It happens with friendships all the time. A lot of the people that I don't cut off or that I don't talk to anymore, when I really think back, like, damn, why did we stop talking? I don't even remember. You know what I mean? That's how little it was but it was enough for me to cut them off you know what i mean and and um you know and when it happens with family is even worse how would you feel how would you feel if you take your fighter to a world champion he wins the title and then he wanted to switch trainers how would you feel if he didn't have a good reason i'd be devastated most likely but see at the same time 
I kind of foresee that now. Like, it's happened to me at a very small scale early in my boxing. I've had a few really talented kids who trainers have stole from me when I first started coaching. Mm. I've had kids get stolen from me, and then those kids try to come back. Um, you took them back? You know what I did? I ain't going to lie. I did. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. All right, you don't hold great. It's hard for me to say no, right? But now... I will always go into that situation with that as an expectation. So depending on what our agreement is, that would probably be something that we would have to square away from the beginning. So then later Contractual on, wise. Yeah. So then later on, if you do decide to make that decision, there's some kind of a penalty that you're going to have to deal with on your end also. So for me, it's business now. So if we're going to go ahead and move forward, I'm going to figure out a way to protect myself only because... I know that uh, that's how boxing works. You know what I mean? It happens all the time. Yeah, 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 man. Um, I would, I would hate to see that. You know, like I said. It's really part of the game. And look, I don't have a problem. Look, one thing as a trainer, you don't want that fighter with you if he don't want to be with you. It's like a woman, right? If my yeah. lady came to me and expressed to me, like, yo, I don't want to be with you no more. I'm not attracted to you. Like, what am I going to do? Like, no, you got to like me. You got to love me. You know, like, yo, like, if you really generally ain't feeling me no more. Like, then keep, keep it moving because I don't want you here if you don't want to be here. But at the same time, why? What's the reason? So if a fighter decides to do that to me, I need to at least have some closure. Like, why? What did I do? I brought you to a world title when we won. What's the problem? But as long as we have a conversation about it, we might be able to work it out without hating each other. You know? Why, man? Why, man? Why? Yeah. You remember that look? You remember that hook yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you knocked that dude out with that hook. <laughs> you knocked that dude out with that hook, and now you go. <laughs> yo, yo, boxing crazy. But that's not Yo, yo, it's so crazy in boxing, right? Let's say you a trainer. <laughs> right. I'm gonna give you some backstage boxing, which I'm pretty sure you know. But hey, that's what you're here for, man. You gotta give us everything, man. No, no, no sugar coat, nothing. So you my fighter, right? You my fighter, moonshine. Yo, it's my fighter, moonshine. All right. No matter of fact, you come in with your trainer. You and your trainer come walking through the door, and you moonshine with your trainer. But then you see me, yo, coach, and yo, I saw your YouTube was good, and I dap you up, and yo, we do some mitts, and yo, your trainer gonna be like, what that about? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trainers be getting jealous almost like if a man's hollering at me. <laughs> like, and it'd be like, yo, bro, chill. Like, I'm just, like, kicking it with your fighter for a second. Like, I don't want to train him. I'm not trying to steal him from you. Like, I'm busy, man. Like, I don't got time for him. Just, like, you don't want to. Yeah, that sounds funny. That's no, like, I'm picturing like, it. Like, to the point where trainers don't even want to look at other fighters' fighters. Like, you'd be like, yo, you see homie fighter, you'd be like, oh, they be looking like, yeah, because they don't want the trainer to think, like, yo, he's trying to steal a fighter. Like, yo, it's crazy out here. So, <laughs> You got to be real careful as a trainer, like, giving advice. Like, if you see a fighter and you take the young boy to the side, like, yo, man, I saw this and this and this that you could do. And then the trainer going to be like, yo, what he told you? Oh, he said I should do this. Yo, listen, don't trust him, man. Don't talk to him. He's a snake. Meanwhile, that's not even true. <laughs> you're generally trying to give your fighter some advice. You know what I'm saying? So, but, the, but the thing is, you do got some snakes out there, and that's what messes up the game. You know what I mean? Dude. The bad the bad apples, right? Like, some bad cops out there. It's always the bad apples. They're ruining it for everybody, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, because it does happen in boxing. It's sad to see that you got these young fighters and then you got these trainers. It's almost like put it this way: um, 
let's talk, Calvin, Calvin, right? Calvin Ford, um, Javante Tank Davis trainer, right. right? He got him, he got him when he was young. Then he worked one fight where Calvin wasn't in the corner, right? Like it looked like you know, um, story was saying that you know, made with a promotion, they wanted him, they, they wanted Javante Tank Davis with another trainer or whatever, right? I think that's when they got a little fickle, the relationship, and then he went back to Calvin. Calvin, you can see it on interviews. I taught him everything he knows. You know, I taught him everything he knows. But that was sad to see that. Why would you? Why would you want to break something that is not broken? Why would you want to get in in and the middle of that? There's only one thing, right? Only one thing. Money. That's the yeah, That's the only thing it could be. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm glad to see that it didn't get broken. You know what I mean? I think Calvin. If Calvin had Javante all that time. He did a phenomenal job with Javante Davis. Phenomenal. And he deserves to be in that corner every step of the way. So that's my personal opinion on, on Calvin Ford. I hope that Javante Davis can see through the smoke. You know what I mean? He stays loyal to, you know, the guy who got him to where he is. I mean, he, he's a millionaire because of a good coach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, hey, man, you got to give credit where it's due. And I just think that. That's a lost art out here, man. A lot of people don't want to give credit to where it's due. A lot of people don't want to, you know, show love to the people who schooled them. And it ain't that hard, man. You know what I'm saying? To just be a straight up person with integrity, man. It really isn't. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to always try to, you know what I mean, look for something better. Sometimes what you got is is the better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, let me know if I'm harsh. Because I could be, uh, I feel like I could be harsh, right? Let me know if I'm harsh. We talk about trainers, right? I'm one of those guys that be like, when they be like, "Yo, Freddie Roach is the is is, is probably the one of the best the, the best." Like when we talk about trainers, he's probably the best trainer out there. I'll be like, "What fighter did he build from scratch?" So people be like, "Well, you know, Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao was a champion when he got him." So, so I I, I feel like the I look up to fighters. I look up to the trainers. Really, I look up to all the trainers. But I'm saying the trainers that build fighters like from scratch. You see, that's why I like Freddie Roach with Elvis Rodriguez right now because he's building, he's building this fighter as a professional. It's not like Elvis Rodriguez won the chip. It's not like it's not like Freddie Roach when he worked with Asa Hoya. Freddie Roach with Mike Tyson. Freddie, they were they already was 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 built. Would you? What's what's the? I want to see Coach Anthony build that fighter. Who's that fighter that's coming under your wing that we got to look forward to? Oh, man, that's, that's too hard for me to answer right now because it, it, come it, on, coach. Come on, coach. It comes down to what it comes <laughs> down to is time, sacrifice, and finances. Really, at the end of the day, like when you think about when you think about building a fighter right from scratch. What's your definition of scratch? Not knowing how to throw a jab. That's that's way, you know. Right to me, to scratches. You don't even know the boxing stance. That's scratch. Well, scratch is well, scratch is um once you're fighting your first couple of fights in the amateurs. Because yeah. look, from scratch, I told my, my, my father when yo, I see this guy in school bullying a lot of people. And I told straight to my dad, I'm like, yo, and my father knows karate or whatever. I'm like, can you teach me some certain moves to defend myself? Right. Because I know this get this this dude, he's bullying the, the my, my crew, and I know he probably going. You know, I'm seeing how he's doing it. He's bullying. I don't want to be the next one, right? So I told my dad. So he showed me, you know, the 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 one two, the one two, and then block. You know all that. 
So I'm not going to say that my dad taught me from scratch if I became a professional, a professional, just because he taught me the one, two. But really, I mean, like from scratches, okay, you're already in the gym and now you're about to, you know, this kid is trying to go, trying to be an amateur. Um, He's taking it serious. And now you molding him as to be not just coaching him just for fitness. I mean, I had, I have a, I have a few kids that I got the opportunity to do that with now. They're all, you know, anywhere from the age of 14 to 18 years old. But um, it really just, like I said, comes down to time, schedule, everything else. Like you really have to dedicate yourself to that person for the rest, rest of your life, basically. Like if I get a kid right now, you know, 14 years old and I build him to a world championship by the time he's 26. That means for the next 12 years, I got to be with him. Yeah. Guaranteed, I can't move. I got to be there. He can't move. Everything's got to fall in place. Mm-hmm. These are the things that make it difficult for a guy to build the fighter because life happens. So then what ends up happening is a lot of these trainers who already get themselves to a certain point, they're like, dude, I don't got time to do that. I got to get to the bag, right? So they start training the big name guys who are going to – and then what ends up happening, you train one big name, the next big name comes to you, the next, and it gives you no time to focus on the little guys. And that's the unfortunate part for a big name trainer. Even if you want to train a guy, you might not have the time because it's time is money, and you got to follow what's feeding your family. And I just think that's the difficult part for a big name trainer to make that balance. And if you do decide to sacrifice for a young fighter, a lot of times it'd be their sons. A lot of times it'd be like somebody who they 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 live with or something. So then it's a lot easier. It's, a lot, it's easier for a father to train a fucking kid who they live with, you know what I mean, and build them up. Or like a, a kid that you brought into your life like a kid. And now you're raising them like a custom model with Mike Tyson. He basically moved them in and raised them up. And he basically became a father to that kid. Yeah. That's how deep it is. In order for you to do that as a trainer, you got to be willing to do that as a trainer too. And I just think that's why for me it's difficult because I haven't found that in me yet to sacrifice all of me to one particular person yet. So until I find that right person in that right situation, I don't know if that's going to happen. You know what I mean? We'll see. So you like, thank you. So you like the, so you just like working with, with, you know, just different type of talents, different type oh, of walks yeah. of life. Cause I see you, I see you on the midst working with, um, the, the young lady, the young lady, how old is she? She was like, um, you put, you put on, you put on the, you put on the, on the, on the title. Was she 50 years old or four? Oh, 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 60, 60, 60, 60, right? I'm t- hey, you know, she still got time, bro. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. She's very, she's very talented, and she sticks with it. But um, I guess I enjoy working with all types of people. I love working with beginners. I love when I get a. I really enjoy the process of teaching a fighter from the ground up. And like I said, my definition of the ground up is. You didn't know how to throw a jab, and now I'm taking you to national championships, which I've done before, mm. and I like that. You know what I mean? And now, then everything after that becomes consistency, sticking with it, keeping it going, keeping it going, keeping it going, sacrificing, being there for the fighter, going to the tournaments, doing all the things that it takes. It's not just training. So, um, you know, for me, 
not that I won't do it. It's just everything has to be right, like for me to be able to do that. You know what I mean? I don't want to lead a fighter the wrong way and say, "Yo, I'm gonna do that, do that," and then when it's time, I can't do it. You know what I mean? So it's tough. It's tough, man. It's tough. Trust me, being a trainer and being the trainer you want to be is tough because you know the training business is a difficult business. Is a is a hard way to make an easy buck. You know that's what I was. I was gonna head to that part. It's prize fighting. At the end of the day, it's prize fighting. Everybody's seeking for the purse. You tell me, I mean, everybody, you know, every every situation is different. Some guys are elite, some guys, you know, it's has to do with the purse. What's the average? What's the average purse for a trainer? Head trainer. What's the average purse? Or percentage of percentage. Look at that look. Look at that look. Look at that look. I mean, I'm, I, it's ten percent. So I mean, if your fighter's fighting for ten thousand dollars, what's ten percent of that? Damn. And then think about that. Think about that. So you're getting ten percent of ten thousand dollars, and how long did it take you to to get him prepared for that fight? Four weeks, six weeks. Let's just say four weeks. Uh, it's only four weeks. Okay. So I trained this guy three hours a day, right? Or yeah. two hours a day. We travel for sparring, and I got. A thousand dollars, a thousand dollars for it. And then you got some trainers who had their kids from the amateurs who they love their, their fighters and they go, keep that money. I don't even want it. When you start fighting for fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, then I'll take my ten percent. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So now it's like when it comes to that's what I'm saying. To be a good trainer in in the sport of boxing, you can't yeah. do it for the money. You can't do it for the money. If you're in this game for the money, forget about it. I'm telling y'all right now, all up-and-coming trainers, even up-and-coming pro boxers, if you're doing this for the money, I'm telling you right now, forget about it. But if you're doing this for the love and you love it, then go for it, and then eventually the money will come. But you got to be patient. It's a very, very patient. You have to be patient. So you, can't be, you, you can't be you can't be money driven in this business then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some, exactly. When you got coaches who are money driven, you know what they do? Mm. They accept fights that they know their fighter can't win, and then they just get the, their fighter get knocked out and they get their check. See what I'm saying? You knew your fighter wasn't gonna win that, but you want your 10%. See what I'm saying? Well, that's when you're money driven. When you're driven by the passion, the love, you the sport, you want to win. Nah, my guy ain't fighting him. Not for that. Nah, we, we in the gym. We working. We training. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and that's when you know you got a good coach in your corner. Somebody who cares about you outside of the ring. Somebody who's not doing it for the money. If you're doing it for the money, it's not going to work. That's why I'm a big person who I'm trying to create a platform for myself where when I do coach fighters, it's not for the money. But, of course, I want to get paid. Yeah, yeah. But it's not for the money. I'm not doing it just for the money. I'm doing it for the success of the fighter. And when money comes, hey man, I'm more than happy for it. But if I'm relying on the money, it's too difficult. You know. Now, now the last time we spoke, I was asking you about who runs the who runs the camp, the fighter or the trainer. Now I'm gonna give you this, and I want you to piggyback on that one because I I feel like um you can add to that. Um, I'm gonna give you an example with the Deontay Wilder. So Deontay Wilder says that he told his trainer never to throw in the towel. Now your 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 job as a trainer is always is also to protect the fighter. If a fighter tells you never throw in the towel, I don't care where I'm at in the ring, I don't care how bad he looks, 
Don't ever throw in the towel. towel. Would you listen to your fighter? Hell no. Hell no. I look at my fighter like he's stupid. I'd be like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would be like, if you think that's going to happen, then you might as well find another trainer right now. Yeah. I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm not going I'm not going to live good with another man's blood in my hands. You see what I'm saying? So what I got to make sure is the safety of the fighter comes first at all times. You know what I'm saying? At all times. And if I see something wrong, if I see something wrong, I might not even let you out for the next round. You know what I'm saying? You might, you, you know, you you might you might just I have to sit you down right there. So, you know, if I don't think you're ready for the fight, you're not fighting. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah. You know, I just think that um, I just think that the fighters need to let the trainers do their job and stop trying to be coaches. Be a fighter and let a coach coach. And if you don't think your coach is capable, then find a different coach. It's very simple, man. It's very simple. If you don't think your coach is capable, get rid of your coach, get a different coach. You know but, I mean? there, yeah, there is, but there is selfish trainers as well. Like, you know, even even they have pride, but they're looking at that paycheck like, you know what? Well, back to my point, just like when you was right about your point, right? Is if you're doing this for the money, then you're in the wrong game. Mm. Because if you're making decisions on a fighter's life based off a paycheck, for one, you might get that check. But you ain't getting many more checks after that. Ain't too many people going bang with you after that. They're gonna be like, "Yo, did you see what he did? Did you see the punishment he allowed his fighter to take? Did you see how he went in there out gunning, out prepared?" Yeah. Did you see that? Did you hear the instructions he was giving him in the corner? That guy's a fucking idiot. That's what's gonna happen. So you're done. So you know, for me, it's not. A, it's, you gotta be in this for the real. You gotta really be in this, man. Like this is like you can't have one foot in, one foot out. When so you, you, those guys are short lived, man. So you could say like a guy like Mark Breeland. You think he's all right that he's that you know, um, Deontay Wilder dismissed him as a trainer and got a new trainer. Did he dismiss him permanently? Yeah, yeah, he's not training him no more. Yeah, I think I think that I just think that that was that was a foul move on Deontay Wilder's part because he fired him because he wanted to he wanted the safety for him. Mm -hmm. so if that's the case, I didn't even know that. I'm learning this right now, hearing this from you. So I'm trusting. Yeah, yeah. So first, okay. So so I'm, let, let's because Deontay Wilder haven't spoke, but this this is the story that's out. So I'm gonna say so allegedly. Allegedly, there's a story that he's been fired. Allegedly, there's a story that they parted ways. I've, 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 let's say I did, I did a video about it that they parted ways because if, if it's not fired, I mean, I could easily be like, he fired him, but there's one source that said they parted ways. There's one other one that they, they fired. Now, I'm gonna go with the party ways. I'm gonna go with the party ways. Um, I feel like, they said it was mutual a mutual agreement, this source said. But I would think so because I feel like Mark Breland, in my opinion, was the last the last man to go. If anybody going to go from the outside looking in, he's the one that has the most credentials. He's the one that had an amateur background. He was the one that was a, a professional fighter. If you see Mark Breland's style of fighting, you look at the one-two punch back in the 80s, Mark Breland had that shit down pat. So you see where Deontay Wilder got that one-two really from. So... He's more molded by Mark than, for, uh, of Mark Breland than any uh, anybody else. Yet Deontay Wilder gets critiqued that he don't that his his technique is whatever is support is 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 below average. Let's say that. But I would think that Mark Breland would be the last one to go. 
So everybody, everybody looking at that, he threw in the towel. Deontay Wilder said never to throw in the towel that he don't trust him. He didn't trust, he didn't have confidence in him when I think that was a little low blow, in my opinion. Think about it, man. If Deontay Wilder watched that fight again and still didn't see that the fight should have been stopped, I mean he's got a he got an issue within himself he needs to deal with. It. And it's called, you know, the E-word, ego. You know what I'm saying? And for me, it's like you can't, I mean, I can't, I can't see how in how in how in hell can you be upset that a man try to save your life? Like, I mean, that's just weird to me. Like, I can understand if the training wasn't right. I can understand if he was being unresponsible, not showing up to training sessions. I can understand if he was giving bad information in the corner. You know, those are all things that I can understand. But when you sit there and you tell me, oh, man, he tried to save my life. I mean, that's really what you're telling me when you say, yo, I'm pissed off that he threw in the towel. So you're mad that he threw in the towel when you was getting, you know, beat down. Like you were getting beat down that whole fight. Let's just be real. Like, but it was, but he he still goes, he still says something like, you know, he should know what I possess. That I could end, I could end the fight with one punch. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But at what cost? At what cost? You can make a million dollars right now robbing a bank, but at what cost? So you would have thrown the towel too. Yeah, if I felt that my fighter, if I felt my fighter wasn't being responsive and I felt like his life was on the line, yeah, without mm. hesitation. Mm. Now look, he's fighting again and he's getting the bag again. So what are you mad about? You're getting paid again. You know what I'm saying? You're fighting him for the third time. No, it's the second or third time. Third, third. Trilogy. You're fighting for the third time. So you're getting a third fight out of the deal. You're making a bunch of money again. And you're getting a chance to prove yourself again. When in the last turn, you didn't prove yourself. So now you're proving yourself in the second. But what are you mad about? You could have died in the last fight, and there would be no third fight. Mm. But the fact that he stopped it gives you another opportunity to fight again. And if you lose this one, and you're getting beat up on again, and they stop it again, guess what? You get a chance to fight again. But if they don't stop it and you get killed in that ring, Career's over. He got kids? Deontay Wilder got kids? Yeah, he got a bunch he got of kids. kids, brother. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you thinking like that? There's nothing wrong with having a heart. But come on, man. Let the corner do their job. So you as a trainer, I'll ask you a question. I don't want to stay too much on Deontay Wilder, but you're a trainer, so I got to ask you. A lot of people feel like his 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 tools is below average, where it's supposed to be. You as a trainer, what do you see? And if you, if you was on his corner... Would you? What would you want? How would you implement some training of yours to Deontay Wilder? What do you feel? When you talk about skills, it's weird. I mean, look, the man's a world champion, was a world champion, knocking out people left and right, knocking out quality guys next and right. So I can't sit here and judge a man who has accomplished that much in the sport. He also was an Olympian, right? But. With all of that being said, his technique and his form when he throws his punches is average at best. But his power is extremely excellent. So, and that's how it goes with some fighters. Remember Ricardo Mayorga? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he beat Vernon Forrest twice, my man. Shout for Mayorga. He beat Vernon Forrest twice. I had the privilege to train next to Vernon Forrest in Florida 
at the Spartan gym. That's where I used to train out of when I was an amateur boxer. And got a chance to see this man spar, train. I seen him when he beat Sugar Shane Mosley twice. Like, Vernon Forrest was a fantastic boxer. And then you get a guy like Ricardo Mayorga, who basically taunts him, knocks him out, and then rematches him and beats him again. So what are you telling me, Ricardo Mayorga can't fight? He just beat one of the best boxers in the middleweight division, you know, God rest the dead, and he beat him, and he beat him clearly twice. Oh, because he doesn't do it the way we want him to do it. He doesn't mm -hmm. do it the way we want him to do it. Listen, fighting is fighting at the end of the day. If it's getting the job done, it's getting the job done. But let's not ignore that Deontay Wilder has poor technique, right? And he has poor, poor form and technique, which can make a person say he's below average. He throws looping punches when he shouldn't. He's a bit wide. But he got a monstrous right hand, and if that thing lands, it's mm -hmm. lights out, man. And there's no doubt about it. He's proven that. So will I say that he's a below-average boxer? Hell no. He's not a below-average boxer, but he has below-average form and technique. There's more to boxing than skills. There's heart. There's conditioning. There's chin. There's, there's all these other variables. There's natural athleticism, power. So if you're basing it just on skill and form and technique, but everything else lacks, is that a good boxer? Right? If you get a guy who's super slick, yeah. do it all, but he ain't got no heart, he can't take a punch, is that a good boxer? Amir Khan? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Amir Khan's a good boxer. That was a low blow. Amir Khan. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not, no. You got what I'm trying to say. I'm talking about the guy has everything that we think is beautiful on a fighter, but he can't take a punch. He got no heart. He got no discipline. He ain't willing to go into deep waters. Is that a good boxer? But then you get a guy like Deontay Wilder who doesn't have good form and technique. He's a bit sloppy, but has heart, has courage, willing to fight anybody, has a monstrous right hand. You know what I'm saying? You got to give a guy who's got more of the good qualities than the bad qualities some credit. You know what I'm saying? Hey, look, I'm one of those guys that, trust me, I'm, I'm like... I'm cool with Deontay Wilder. Like, I could, we could go by the technique, but everything that you just said is what people don't want to talk about. But you got to give it up to him. You got to. If, if a boxer has 10 criterias and eight of them are good, you got a hell of a good boxer. That was horrible. There yeah. you go. I don't even know what I'm doing right now. If eight of them are good. Damn, what kind of wine are you drinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Eight of them are good. If eight out of if eight stars out of ten is good, it's good. If you were about to buy something off Amazon and they got eight out of ten stars or four out of five stars, you're like, you know what? It's pretty good. I might buy it. Yo, but, but just because a guy got one star and the one star is beautiful punches, but everything else is trash, that guy is trash still. I don't care how beautiful his punches are. Yo, it's because boxing fans are the most delusional fans, bro. Is the most delusional fan, the most unhappiest fans. Because think about it, yo. We went in the era where, like, for example, remember when, when Tyson Fury beat Klitschko? Oh, man, Tyson Fury is boring. He's boring. We were looking for that heavyweight that was knocking everybody out, right? Damn, we need that heavyweight. We want to know who's going to be the next Mike Tyson. Here comes Deontay Wilder knocking everybody out. Anthony Joshua knocking everybody out. Then it comes with the, 
oh, but he can't do this and he can't do that. But yo, y'all was uh, the whole y'all was just saying that this guy has this heavyweight was man boring. Like, what do you want? Do you want the knockout artist? Do you want the technique? Do you want to see a six nine dude just floating around, flowing like a butterfly, sting like a bee? Or y'all got yo? Every fighter is different, and we all should just appreciate what everybody else brings to the table. It's like a buffet. I don't want Deontay Wilder to be Tyson Fury. I don't want Tyson Fury to be Deontay to be Deontay Wilder. I want Anthony Joshua to be himself. I want Earl Spence to be himself. I want Crawford to be himself. Now, all, all these fighters, that's what's good about boxing. There's one that the, they try to analyze this, like everybody should be the same. Everybody should have this technique. Then we then we won't know who's special. Exactly, exactly. So a lot of guys need to get credit for what their natural attributes are in it. And for Deontay Wilder, it's extremely good power. Um, it's extremely good power, and it's um, heart and will, and it's just those things deserve credit, man, because there's a lot of good boxers who never made it because they didn't have those other qualities. Mm -hmm. you know what I'm so we need to keep that in mind, too. I tell people all the time, I'm in the Philadelphia area. There's so many fighters out here you never heard of that could fight, but guess what? It's because they didn't have everything else. Mm -hmm. They could fight, but they couldn't wake up in the morning and go on that run. They couldn't stay out the streets. They couldn't stray out the nightclubs. You know what I'm saying? They couldn't do the things that boxing requires of a fighter. And, and, and that's a skill also. And we need to also give these guys credit for that. So, you know, while a lot of guys are at the club, these fighters have to go to sleep early. You know what I'm saying? These yeah. fighters can do the things that other people could do if they want to be successful. It's kind of like a kid who goes to college for eight, nine years and then becomes a doctor. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing for boxing. How would you, how would you, if you got your own, your, you, you're the head coach of your training camp, how would you run your training camp? How would I run it? Uh, give me, give me, well, give me your, give me. Well, there's that, like say there's other boxes that they bring in more people in. There's other, I mean, there's other trainers, my fault. The other trainers that bring other people in. There's trainers that they are the nutritionist, the, they want to be the manager. They want to foresee everything. You know what type of trainer? If you running, you're running the the training camp. Not part of a training camp. You're running it. What is your rules? What is Coach Anthony's rules? Rules now. Rules as far as like nutritionist, manager, and all that type of stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna handle whatever I know I can handle. Whatever okay. I know I can't handle, I'm not gonna handle. Mm -hmm. So if I decide to manage a fighter, it's because I've done the research. I've decided that this is a job that I want to take on and I'm going to add this to the resume, whether it's my first fighter that I manage or my 20th fighter, you know what I'm saying? So I'm only going to handle what I know I can handle. My whole life I've done a good job at doing whatever I'm good at and sticking with that. And whenever I learn something new, I make sure I learn it very well before I go ahead and try to jump into that. So that's kind of the kind of person I am. So I'm not going to do anything I don't think I can do. So I want the best for my fighter. I want a fighter when they come to me to say, you know, since I started working with Coach Anthony, man, everything is going in the direction I wanted to go in. So if that means I got to bring in a manager, if that means I got to bring in an extra coach or an extra set of eyes, if that means I got to bring in a nutritionist, a strength and conditioning trainer, somebody to help me in the areas that I don't have either time or I don't have expertise in, I have no problem doing that. You know what I'm saying? Um, Will family be involved, girlfriends and stuff like that? How would you run a training camp? Would I allow them to bring their families involved? Yeah. No, I mean, like, you know, like there's, there's, there's times where there's fighters that, that's it. They don't see their family for the whole for the whole camp. Are you the athlete that I'm working with. So like I told you before, it's a very case-by-case -case situation. So I wouldn't have a one-size 
fits all playbook. What I would do is get to know my fighter. You know, I learned this by watching something on Custom Model. What he would do is he would get to know his fighters before he trains them. And I, that's the one thing I got from listening to one of his things when he was talking. And it's like, you get a chance to learn who your fighters are over an extended period of time. And if I see how you operate with your girlfriend around, let's say you bring your girlfriend to the gym a couple of times. Let's just say. <laughs> and when you come, you're not training the same. You're less motivated. You're oh. distracted. I'm going to basically pull you to the side and say, yo, my man, check this out. When you're in the gym, leave your shorty at home. You can't concentrate when she's here, brother. You're not you're not performing the same. Now, if his girlfriend is a very supportive girlfriend, she's very serious about his career the same way he is. They take everything very serious. There may be a situation where there may be a situation where I might allow it because I might say, you know what, she's a benefit to him here in the gym. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's a case by case situation. Oh, so you're not a strict man. You you're not strict. He was easy going, man. I'm I'm more so like making adaptions, just like a just like a fighter has to adapt in the ring. Imagine if a fighter says, "I'm just an aggressive fighter, and I'm never going to go defensive," or "I'm a Philly shell fighter, and I'm never gonna go aggressive." Like you won't allow that. We got to make adjustments. We got to make adjustments, and we got to make them quick. So it's my job to see it and act on it. Let me answer this question. Yeah, yeah, wrapped all man. At, yo, leave the questions. Leave the questions, and I'll and, and you know I'll ask so he can answer. What's good, Terrence? What's good? What's good, everybody in the comment box checking everybody out, man. Yeah, ask the questions. Um, yeah, man. I, yo, it's, it seems like training, man. The boxing training is kind of hard, man. It's kind of hard. It's too much. It's, it's a lot of sacrifice. It's a lot of sacrifice. It's hard because because when a, a trainer has to sacrifice for somebody else. You're, you're going basically, you're, you're, your life is to make another person's life better. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll so you have to make you. sure you're in a position to you, where you could do that. You know what I mean? I feel you, man. I feel you. If your life ain't going good, how you going to help somebody else? It's like a poor person trying to help a poor person. Like, you, like let me come up. When I come up, I got you. Let me help you. But if, but if I keep getting pulled down when I'm down, so I can't help you. So it's like, you know, I think a trainer needs to make sure he's ready for the job. The biggest thing a, a person can figure out here, if you're going to be a trainer, you got to be ready for the job. So it's a big responsibility on our behalf to know that we can handle the job if we say yes to the fighter. We can't be selfish and say, I just want to have fighters. But mm -hmm. you're not doing the fighter benefit. You have to say, I'm ready for this fighter. I'm going to develop this fighter. I'm going to give this fighter my all. And then if the trainer can be honest with himself like that, then he could be a good trainer to the fighter. If not, he's gonna hurt the fighter. Do you network, or do you, or, or you just expect the fighters to to come to you and know you, or do you network out there? Like when there's fights, do you go to fights? Um, because how would somebody, if you ain't have no YouTube channel, but you got a great boxing mind, how would somebody find you? Like how would you? Because there might be people that's looking at Coach Anthony, but you know, there's some people that just don't know how to approach people. Like he seemed cool, but I ain't gonna approach him and stuff like that. I don't know what type. If somebody's looking right now and they want to approach you, like on some and they're professional. I'm talking it could be a professional fighter. Like, is you're are you an approachable person, right? I am an approachable person. I think before, you know, I was um I owned a boxing gym that was ran more like a business for for 10 mm -hmm. years. So I used to run like fitness classes and stuff like that. So I wasn't as open to just work with anybody uh because I was very busy. 
But now, you know, my, now my perspective and my situation is a little different. I would love to, when this whole thing is over, hopefully it does actually end. My goal would be to have a nice professional and amateur stable of quality fighters and really showcase what I could bring to the table as a coach and also develop some, you know, really good professionals. So I'm not sure how I would market that. I'm pretty sure I would, you know, I'm pretty sure I would be able to, though. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely interested. And, in, you know, now now at this stage of my life, I'm getting to a point now where I'm ready to showcase that at a high level, you know, from amateurs to professionals. I think it's my turn now to show the world what I could bring. And um, I've been a second and third. I've been a, a coach who has always been part of a team, not a coach who had my own professional who I can say this is. Coach Anthony, I've always been part of successful teams, yeah. but now I'm ready to go ahead and branch off on my own and let people know that I can handle the job. So hopefully it happens and it happens soon. You know. You hear that? You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? He's ready. All right? Yeah, 100%. He's a free eight. Well, he's a free agent, but working with other people. Put it that way. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a free agent. Yeah. I'm definitely ready for that. You know, I've had more than enough time to, you know, practice my craft and work with quality guys that I could definitely bring a lot to a, a up-and-coming professional. Or let me one. let me see some some questions here, Coach Anthony. You thought Canelo did enough to beat Triple G the first fight. What made you lean towards Canelo? Wow. Okay, that guy really follows me. Um, it's very weird because my view on the fight was different than a lot of people, and for both fights actually, because the second fight, a lot of people thought Canelo won, and I actually had that as draw. I actually had the second fight a draw. And I had the first fight leaning toward Canelo. I thought that Canelo landed the better, cleaner punches in the first fight. I thought that he did the better boxing in the first fight. I know that he, you know, maybe didn't throw as many punches, but I thought the punches that he landed in the rounds that he won added up. I scored the fight. I was at the fight when it happened. I scored it. And when I and I kid you not, Mushan, on <laughs> everything I love, at the end of the fight. Because I seen how everybody was acting around. I scored it. I sat there with pen and paper. I said, I got Canelo winning. If I'm not mistaken, I had him winning like 116, 112, or 115, 113, somewhere around that. Yeah. I said, I got Canelo winning. So if I hear robbery from any of y'all, they were like, man, you crazy. When they said Canelo won, I looked at everybody. They looked at me like, yo. I posted it on Instagram. I had hundreds of people comment. <laughs> you want to call yourself a coach? Yo, you don't know what the hell you talking about. Yo, I scored it at the fight, and the judges saw it the same way I saw it. Then the second fight, I actually had Canelo winning early, and I had Triple G coming back. And I ended up, when I came to the conclusion, I had a draw. And I believe that they had Canelo winning that fight, right? Canelo won the second fight? Yeah, yeah. I, the fight was very close. I thought it was a draw in the second one. Um, I thought he faded. And you, you mean that you mean you mean that you thought the draw was in the first fight? The second fight, Canelo won. Or you got Canelo I, winning the, both of them? I had Canelo winning the first fight, even though people thought he lost it. And I mm -hmm. had Canelo in a draw in the second fight, even though people thought Canelo won that one better than the first one. My view was different than people. I also only watched the fight one time each fight. So I watched the Canelo fight when it happened live, and then I went to the second Canelo fight, and I watched that live. So, But for the most part, I thought Canelo won. To answer this man's question is I thought he landed the better punches. I thought he had the better 
Uh, I just I thought he did the better stuff in the fight, to be plain and simple. I thought the Triple G was throwing, but I don't think he was being as effective as Canelo was. Again, again, y'all want to ask questions, leave your, leave your question in the comment box. Um, in my, in my opinion on that one, I love what Canelo did the first, the first fight. You know why? Because I feel like that the first fight is when I saw him grow. Elusive. He was he was he was on the outside. Yo, it was like a changed Canelo. He impressed me. I already know that the Canelo of the second fight, I know that Canelo. But the Canelo in the first fight, you you was like, okay, he learned something from that Mayweather fight. The way he's moving, the way he was, he was just boxing. A lot of people ain't like that because they didn't expect that from Canelo. But I did because I was so surprised by how many people felt that he didn't win the fight at the moment. Like, like I said, I only watched it once. I I might have to go back and look at that again. I had Can I had Canelo winning both fights. You had Canelo winning both fights. Not a bad. It's not a bad thing. The yeah. second fight I had it a draw, but you could sway around the two either way. You know what I'm saying? But the first fight, I really thought he did better than he did in the second fight, and. And it's crazy to me because I was wondering. I mean, there was a few that agreed with me, like a few of the Mayweathers I spoke to agreed with me when I spoke to Jeff, when I spoke to Floyd Senior, and all. I spoke to them personally. Mm -hmm. They were like, "Yo, man, most people don't know shit about body." <laughs> and I'm telling you, I heard this from the Mayweathers. I spoke to them. I spoke to a few other people, and they were like, "Yo, Canelo won that fight." Some real decent names, good trainers said Canelo won that fight. So I knew I wasn't completely bugging. But I'm telling you, I had the scorecards in my hand. I told the people next to me. They looked at me like, you out of your damn mind. And guess what? I wasn't. You know what I'm saying? So that's just how I, it went, man. I, I see the first the first fight was a little bit closer. I could have seen it as a draw. But I had Canelo win in the second fight. It was a very weird fight because Canelo did the better stuff, but Triple G kept the pressure on. So it's one of those fights that is like whatever you like. Is what you're gonna go for, and also whoever you like is who you're gonna go for. That was a fight based off of emotion and and uh, favoritism. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people either they and when I say favoritism, I don't mean just the actual fighter. I mean the style of the fighter. Some people just like the aggressive fighter. Some people just like the clean boxer. Me, I'm more of a clean boxing fan. You know what I mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. I like aggressive fighters when they're good at it. Um, I feel like Triple G. No disrespect to Triple G, but I just feel like if he didn't have the power he had, he wouldn't be as impressive as everybody makes him out to be. I just think Canelo is a far more impressive fighter. Yo, let me get you right here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, Coach Anthony, do you see any way that Leo Santa Cruz has a chance against Tank? Everyone seems to think it will be one-sided beatdown with Leo, Leo Santa Cruz ending up on his back. You know, I, I haven't seen a lot of Leo Santa Cruz, but I know he throws a lot of punches. I know he, he, he throws a lot of punches. I also know he's a little bit smaller than Javante Davis. Um, we've seen Javante Davis have issues in the past um, with weight, and we've also seen him have issues with Gamboa. You know what I'm saying? In, in the fight where I was very surprised he had issues with Gamboa. But, I mean, this is one of those fights where Leo Santa Cruz can either be his best friend or his worst enemy. You know, opening up a lot on a guy like Tank could be a kryptonite. You know, you go out there, you're throwing a lot of punches, and you get knocked the hell out. But at the same token, if you can get Tank out of his game plan and you can go ahead and keep them punches going and he doesn't get off, you got yourself a win. So it was a very interesting fight, to say the least. I wouldn't uh, completely count him out whatsoever. Um, I haven't seen enough of him to pick him either. 
But I'm going to go ahead and say it's an interesting fight, and and uh, don't be surprised whoever wins. But, you know, if I had to put money on it, I'm probably going to go with the guy who I'm more familiar with, which is Tank, you know what I mean? But well, that's not saying that Leo doesn't have a chance. Yeah, I got Tank big. I got Tank winning that fight. Um, I just don't think that Leo Santa Cruz got enough to keep Tank off of him. Um, everybody's talking about this. Is what it is? Everybody's talking about Tank's weight, Tank's um men, mental fortitude if he's focused enough. But no, nobody really goes after his technique. I I think he's a good fighter. I think he's a good fighter. Um, I don't ever have, have no critique of of, of him technically wise. I think any anything that any any time people want to criticize him is what he does outside of boxing ring. That's what yeah, it is. I think I think I think Tank is a phenomenal fighter. I was surprised on his performance with Javante Davis. If I had to be the devil's advocate and say anything uh, about Tank, is just that you know with an older fighter with an injury in the fight, I was surprised that he couldn't do a little bit more. But other than that. Um, you know, Tank has done nothing but impress us, you know what I mean, with all his victories and the way he's won. But, you know, I like to see him step up in competition. You know, I think it's time for him to step up in competition and, and let's see if, you know, you can do it against the bigger dogs in the division. You know what I mean? And I just think that Tank has to show that now. And I don't know if Leo Santa Cruz is that guy, but we'll find out, you know. Now, of course, we got a big fight coming on the weekend. We got Teofimo Lopez, Patel Lumachenko. Major, major. And, and before the fight, before that fight was about to be announced, um, like last year, let's say last year, Andre Ward was like, he should take a couple of more fights. Um, Bradley said he should take more, a couple of more fights. You as a trainer, do you think Tiffany Lopez is ready for this fight? I mean, I don't know, man, because I, I guess, listen. Teofimo Lopez got some nice stuff on him. He got some beautiful tools. I watched him fight a couple of times. I seen what he could do. You know, what I mean, he's a big, he's a big kid for his weight. It, it, how much bigger is he than um than Loma? Height or or, or height? height. Like, well, like one inch and a half, probably. Okay, so he seems like he's pretty big for that. That's not a big difference there, but you know, Teofimo's a big puncher. Got beautiful technique. He got good fundamentals. Um, but Lomachenko. <laughs> Um, is a proven fighter. Lomachenko's a proven fighter. He's a guy who has fought great fights already. He beat Olympians already. He has a phenomenal background in the amateur. And I just think that when you're fighting a guy with that kind of uh, pedigree, um, you know, I would want as much experience as I possibly can get before I fight a guy like that. Now, at the end of the day, if you believe in yourself and you know what you got, Go for it, brother. Can't be mad at you. Is he a is it? You mean he's a proven fighter, or he's just a more proven fighter? You don't think Teofimo Lopez is a proven fighter? I don't. I think Teofimo. Yes, like at that level, I don't think he's a proven fighter yet. At at that, an, as an elite and as elite fighter, yeah, at the elite level, I think that this is the proven fight for him now. I think he chose a hard fight to prove himself. Okay. All right. Because we, I was talking about that yesterday, and I said that. There's certain fighters that's a proven fighter. I said Tiafimo Lopez is a proven fighter once he beat Richard Comey a champion. Because we was discussing what makes you a proven fighter. Like if you're a champion, you're still not proven. So that's devaluing the, the belt. Then what makes you what 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 makes what makes a proven fighter? You gotta beat another elite fighter. 
Because let's say, all right, he beat Richard Comey. He was top five. He was a champion. So I think there's levels. I think there's levels. To answer your questions, there's levels. So, yes, he's a damn good fighter. But now we're talking about Lomachenko. See mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And this is the fight where I feel like Lomachenko has fought guys that were better than the guys who Teofimo has fought. And he's been doing it for damn near his whole career. He walked into the gate fighting uh, Salido, who was a freaking dog. Okay. He came out of the amateurs with 300-plus fights. He came into the game already fighting the best, and he's been doing that damn near every fight since he became a pro. So he is a proven fighter, fighting multiple elite fighters back-to-back -back and dominating them. Now you got a guy like Teofimo Lopez who has a good name on his record, and he did beat him, but who else did he beat? That's at the level of the guys that Lomachenko has beat. So, with that being said, I just think that there's a new. We're at this new level now, and at this level, Lomachenko has proved it. At this level, this will be the fight that defines. Now, let's just say Teofimo falls short and he loses, but if he puts up a damn good fight, let's just say how. If he loses a, a very competitive fight, then you're at this level also. Okay. Lost. I believe that too is is, is the how. Like I, I really don't, I really don't say like uh, a fighter if he wins or lose, but it's how he how he wins and how he loses. Yeah. So for me, you know, he has an opportunity this weekend to really prove how good of a fighter he is. Now, I know he's a good fighter. I'd be damned to say he's not. But what I'm trying to say is, we're talking about Lomachenko. People been comparing Lomachenko with Floyd Mayweather. People been comparing Lomachenko to the best in history at the division. So we're talking about a guy who people have high regards for. And um, did you compare him like that? It's hard for me to compare him like that because of his professional career being so short. Okay. This is very difficult for me to compare him to, to that level, but I have to give the man his props. Anybody who could do what he's done, you know, deserves, deserves credit. You know, he's a good fighter, man. He's the real deal. Nah, yeah, I, I think I think I think they both real deals. I do think I, I see some some defensive slippage for me and Lomachenko. I don't. I like Lomachenko. I think he's great. I don't think that the Matrix aura. I think he don't have that. That Matrix aura. I think he's touchable. Anymore, or you don't think he ever had it? No, no, not anymore. I said I said in the last couple of fights I see some slippage. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I haven't been keeping up with Lomachenko like that. But ever since the Pedraza fight, and then. He got touched up a little bit by, by Luke Campbell. Um, he got dropped by Linares. So it got to the point where, you know, they 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 little by little, fights by fights, they're timing his movement. At this point, that he's gonna be fighting Teofimo Lopez. And I'm not, I'm also not the type that I like to look at other fighters because look at Teofimo Lopez. He fought Nakatani, went a whole went 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 to the distance, and then he knocked out Richard Comey in two. So I'm not the type that I got to look at, oh, but he got knocked down. That doesn't mean this guy's going to knock him down. Adrian Broner knocked down Sean Porter. That doesn't mean Keith Thurman and Denny Garcia knocked him down. So I mean, and Teofimo's been wanting this fight for a while. That's when you eyeing a dude for a while, like you eyeing this dude your whole career. Yeah, like you really been like, yo, like, give me him. I. That's a that's a different dynamic because when, when you're sitting back and you're just observing and you're like, man, I know I can beat this guy. I don't give a damn what they say. I know I could beat this guy. You bring something different to the table. That's Not like Danny Garcia. That's like Danny Garcia on Earl Spence when he's like, yo, I already see. I've seen enough. 
of of, of Earl Spence that I that that I want to fight him, that I could beat him. I mean, I I mean, look, man, I I like Danny Garcia's chances in this fight. I like him a lot, and I've spoke about this publicly before. And um, I had a guy. Oh uh, man, I should find a post on my Instagram. One of the rap, he's a rapper, and I, you know, I didn't even realize how big of a rapper he was, man. He cool. freaking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find the post. He wanted to bet me a hundred thousand dollars that Errol Spence is gonna win the fight because I put a. Post. Tell me who you pick. Who you pick? Who you pick? Let me no. tell you who I pick first. Let me tell you who I pick first. All right, go ahead. I said it's fifty-fifty fight, in my opinion. I've told people do not be surprised if Danny Silva Garcia wins. Danny Swift Garcia, in my opinion, he's very comfortable with his style. His performances when he lost is not type of performances where his stock drops. It's respectable. Like that's what I was talking about before is the how he lost. It's not that if he lost, he lost very respectable. Yellow Breezy. He bet me a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Yellow Breezy on my post. Yo, he got 1.9 million followers. He don't even follow me. I don't even follow him, but he saw my post and yeah. he jumped on there. And and my thing was like, all I'm saying, all I kept saying was same thing you just said. Like, why y'all hating on Danny? Like, like what makes y'all think Danny's like sweet? Like, there's nothing, there's nothing easy. Yo, about I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's a narrative that's pushed. I think there's a narrative you that is Danny Garcia. Nothing. You fight Danny Garcia, you know what you just found? You found the fight. You wanted a fight? Guess what you got? You got one. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying that Danny's unbeatable. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, y'all going to hop in here and act like Danny Garcia is just like, yeah, man, he going to beat dog hell out of Danny. Do you know how hard Danny Garcia hit? I've seen this guy in person, man. I've seen him spar. I've seen him hit the heavy bag. Like, he's not a regular 147-pounder or whatever. Like, he can punch. We're going to see, man, when a guy like Errol Spence you know, also punch. Yeah, also punch. What happens? But I can guarantee you this is going to be very exciting. I'm very excited about the fight. I heard that there's going to be a crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. December fifth, December fifth in, in, in Cowboy Stadium. Yeah. You think that's going to happen, or you think the 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 second wave or something's going to come back? And man, look, we're going to hit the politics, man. I get into politics. I say after the after. I think they I think they just waiting for for the election, and then everything's going to open up. I think we had. I think I think. Let me be a conspiracy theorist right quick. I think they need to keep this like this because if everything fixes up and everything goes back to normal, then then Captain Orange gets back on office. If they give you a stimulus check right now, they don't want to give you the stimulus check right now because now it makes Captain Orange look good. So we have to keep it that is worse. But the powers that be, they know when things is going to open up. So December, so December 5th, it's gonna be a crowd. Jimmy 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 Johnson knows that it's gonna get better, or that fight wouldn't even be talked about. There's gonna be in the stadium. Look at college football. Everything's gonna open up, but I'm trying to go. I'm trying to go. It's gonna. But with Danny gonna see me. Are you going? Are you going? Nah, I'm not gonna go on that one. I think I'm gonna go. I might not go on that one. Um, I was thinking about um. I thought I thought they was gonna open it up for for Devin Haney in Miami. I think he's fighting in Miami. I'm a um, big Devin Haney fan now. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm running with Devin Haney, man. You know what I'm saying? That's my guy now. Yo, Bill Haney. <laughs> Anything Bill Haney does, I'm with it, brother. Let's get it. You know what I mean? Okay. okay. <laughs> with Danny Garcia, with Danny Garcia for me, it's just that. 
put it this way, all right? Because because I just don't see Earl Spence as a special fighter. I see him as a good, as a great fighter in this in this weight division. But I just doesn't. I don't see him special. I don't. I, um, he stays in line for me too much. Um, he does get hit. I, I think that he's just the bigger guy at 147. You know, um, he got great grit. Um, that one two. One, two to the body, one, two to the body, shoulder, brings a win. I think he does everything repetitive, where to me, I just don't see it as, like, special. You know? You remember when Floyd Mayweather said Triple G is straight up um, straight, straight up and down, no special effects? That's how I see Earl Spence. Um, I agree and disagree because he showed that he could box with Mikey Garcia. He showed that he could box. And he showed that he could box when he fought Lamont Peterson. He showed that he could box. No, so, I, no, he could box. But so I'm just what I'm saying is he has two dynamics. He has his boxing, and he can be the aggressor that just walks you down and beats you down, man down. So I think that Errol Spence is a hell of a fighter. I just I wasn't impressed, and it's it's very disrespectful for me to say this. I mean, somebody with my boxing mind shouldn't even say this, but I'm just very. I wasn't impressed with how he fought Sean Porter. Now that's so disrespectful to Sean Porter because Sean Porter is such he a phenomenal everything. fighter. He's such a phenomenal fighter that he can make anybody look bad. So let me rewind and just give Sean Porter his props. But the only reason I'm going to say I wasn't impressed with Errol Spence when he fought Sean Porter is because we had him as a boogeyman leading up to that fight. Before he fought Sean Porter, everybody was like, Errol Spence, oh my God, I don't want to fight Errol Spence. No, he's in the room. Then he fights Sean Porter, and it's like, I thought Sean Porter arguably won the damn fight. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I thought he, you know what I'm saying? So my thing is, he's just as good as everybody else in the damn division. And that That's was, what I've been saying. If you, if you saw Errol Spence fight for the first time when he fought, Sean Porter, that was your first time seeing him. Would you be considering him a boogeyman right now? Nope. I never considered him as a boogeyman. No, but he was pretty, when he was pretty impressive with how he walked down Kell Brook and how he, beat, yeah, you know what I mean, how he beat a few. Who else, who else the Errol Spence beat? Because I'm, I'm getting a brain freeze right now. He beat he beat Kell Brook. He beat Carlos Ocampo. <laughs> he, he beat Lamont Peterson. He beat uh, Bundu, Chris Algeri. He beat um, Sean Porter. Um, you got some good solid names under there, but you know, I just, I just think that people were like literally like scared of him, like yo, like <clears throat> Errol Spence gets in there with you, he gonna beat the dog hell out of you, and now we see him fight, and he looks, you know, like everybody else in the division when he steps up in class and fights with Sean Porter, and now we are gonna fight Danny Garcia, and we gonna forget about that, like that never happened, like yo, hold on, then. like see, for me, when I when I analyze things, that's especially in the welterweight division. Is that they have Earl Spence like this and everybody else like that? In my opinion, I feel like the top five or six, or you could you could put an Ugas in there. They all could beat each other. All could beat each other. Oh, I don't. I don't see nobody head and shoulders above anybody in the top five. Me neither. I think that. I think that one guy could beat a guy twice and still lose the third fight. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the kind of division it is right now. Like if everybody on their A game, everybody on their A game, everybody on their A game, no injury, just off potential in the welterweight division. My opinion, 
And let's let's take Manny Pacquiao because Manny Pacquiao cemented the legacy. He did, but let's not forget that that boy can still be. No, no, of course, of course, right now, right. Of course, now. but me, I'm, I'm. It's like he got to cement the legacy. That now, he- hold on, that goes back. That goes back to what we was talking about with the old fighters and the new fighters. Like you got a guy like Manny Pacquiao who's from an era right before the era that we're in right now. He's literally only one era before. Yeah. He's won ever before. He's with the with the Marco Antonio Barreras, the Errol spent, I mean the Eric Moraleses and them kind of guys. That's the the buildup that he came in. And he can still beat today's elite guys like Keith Thurman. He can still go in there, old as hell, drop this guy, win the fight. Imagine these guys fighting those guys back then. I mean, that's just, that's just a quick way for me to put that. And let me shout out a couple of people. Yo, Johnny, good looking out for that super chat, my brother. He said Flo Mabel is the biggest coward in boxing history. <laughs> he hates, he hates. Johnny. He hates. Yo, don't do that. Chat, chat, chat. What's good? What's good? Um, Emil Griffith versus Earl Spence. Who y'all got? Millie Griffith. I don't know. I don't even know who that is, man. So I'm not even going to answer. Who's that? I don't know. I be feeling bad when I don't know who. Yeah, I'm sorry. Man, I be like wanting to get off camera, like yo, hold up. I don't know who that is, man. My fault. My fault, man. I don't know. Um, but Earl's. Nah, not yet. Not yet, bro. Um, <laughs> Earl Spence. Earl Spence to me. Um, I think he could get beat by anybody. In the in, uh, the top guys, the top guys. For me, you know, you know who's my ultimate chess match. You can also beat anybody too. Let's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know who's my? You, you know what was my ultimate chess match in in the welterweight division? If they come, you know, a a a a, Thurman and Bud Crawford. I was more excited for Spence and Bud Crawford. Not me. See, I I never was excited about that. I love that fight. I love that fight. But go ahead. We'll go. We'll talk about Thurman. Um. After what I saw from Thurman and uh, Pacquiao, I, I mean, I got to see Bud fight somebody else, though, man. Like, Bud, Yeah, I got to see Bud fight somebody he else. Bud fight. He, I mean, no disrespect to Bud. I mean, I shared the ring corner for corner when he beat Hank Lundy. And um, I know how good of a fighter that, you know, Bud Crawford is. But at the same time, it's like, he, he still got to fight more, man. Like, when does this guy fight, man? Like. Hopefully he gets out the situation he's in and we can really see him shine. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. To, to me, not nah, um th- this is what it is. I think, I think, I think there is a there's a lot of narrative, especially when it comes to this to to, to boxing, to this bo- boxing circuit when you're breaking down fights, independent media, um, boxing. I think there's a lot of narratives. Um, I see the technique, I go by styles. I see Bud Crawford and the way he moves, switch up. Mixes his punches right. Does almost everything right. Everything right. For me, Keith on Tom Thurman, he get touched, have power, have movement. Um, Seen him switch up versus versus Bundu, knocked him down when he switched to soft paw. So I could see two guys that could switch up when they want to. Very unorthodox. You don't, you, you, it's almost you can't plan. You don't know what they're going to do. You don't know if Keith Thurman is going to come to outbox you or to outslug you. Danny Sof Garcia, that fight, the first half of the fight, he's slugging. He's going after to knock this dude out. What happens the second half of the fight? Now he's outboxing you. Now he's using his legs. He adjusted, and now you just can't. You're too late. Danny Sof Garcia, you're just too late to pick it up. Now, Bud Crawford is the same way. 
he could come inside the ring the whole fighting foul southpaw or he could just switch up it's hard to plan around these two that's why i also saw them as the as the ultimate chess match because they could they could box when they want to and they could punch how they want to now a guy like danny Silva garcia they say he flat he's he's flat footed i know what danny Silva garcia is coming with his style you know i think danny Silva garcia is more predictable than a bud a spin a, a bud a thurman or a, a style like manny pacquiao in my opinion is more predictable Earl Spence is more predictable. Ugas is more predictable. Sean Porter, he'll try to box, but I think that's to prove to everybody else so he could change that, that narrative about him that he's just a brawler, just a brawler. But when, he's, when he starts to box, that's when Danny Swift Garcia was put it on him. Now he got to just brawl. He just got to smother you and, and, you know, things of that nature. That's why I had the ultimate chess match, Thurman and Bud. And Bone Mac felt the same way. On Bud's trainer, he said the hardest fight for Bud will be Thurman because of his movements. Yeah, I mean, I could see that because Thurman likes to use a lateral movement. He likes to use an in-and-out rhythm. He's kind of like bouncing on his feet. He got good power with both hands. Um, he's a, you know, but um, I just think that 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 Bud is a little sharper, man. I just think that he's got more layers. I think that when the going gets tough, that Bud's going to, dig a little deeper i think that he's going to make the adjustments necessary but that's only based off what i've seen from but yeah that's why i say i gotta see him fight more like i need to see him fight somebody you know really up there like i feel like his best fight to date you know it's uh the kid from uh australia or whatever he was like i, I mean like the postal yeah, uh, he beat Postal and who else did he beat? The one Pacquiao for Gambawa. I mean, Gamboa. Oh, um, Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn. Like, I, like, who else did he fight? So let me ask you that question that you answered earlier. Which fighter you saw Buck Crawford, which you said he proved himself? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. He's still... A little unproven, unfortunately, and unproven at that level. He's unproven. When you say he could beat Danny Garcia, it's like, hold up, Danny Garcia beat him in the amateurs. Exactly. When he could beat Keith Thurman, it's like, how do you know? When you say he could beat Errol Spence, it's like, how do you know? Who, yeah. who was the common opponent? You haven't even fought a Sean Porter yet, who's obviously the new gatekeeper of the division, who people kind of judge and assess gauge it, what level they're at mm -hmm. you haven't even didn't he turn down the fight with sean porter yeah yeah turned down the fight with sean porter a good gauge fight for us for us to see and with thurman this year so my question to to, to bud is you're a fantastic fighter so I'm gonna say he's an unproven fighter at that level. He is a he is at that level, but at that division, at that level, he's unproven. So now I'll say this because people it, look, Danny Sub Garcia, in my opinion, let's say, yeah, yeah, Buck Crawford became undisputed at 140. But in my opinion, Danny Sub Garcia has a better resume at 140. He's proven. He's, he's been proven and never and they they never put he's him in a powerful pound. And that's why it's disrespectful to count him out against Earl Spence. He's proven. If he beats Earl Spence, they're going to blame it on the crash. 
Yeah, of course. But at the end of the day, we know what you know what you're getting with Danny Garcia at the highest level. You know you're getting a fight. You know it. You know he might lose, but you know you're getting a fight. You're always getting a guy who has a puncher's chance the whole fight. You know you're getting that. You know you're getting that. But you don't know what you're getting with Terrence Crawford yet when you fight. Uh, when you fight, you can only assume. You assume that he's gonna win. You assume that he's gonna shine. But we don't know. We know that Danny, what he's been through, what he could take. We've seen him fight Sean Porter and Keith Thurman. Let's see T. Bud fight one of those guys at least once. You know what I'm saying? At least one of them. Yeah, even yeah. Ugas. Even Ugas. What you think about? What you think about? Um, on Philly fighter Boots Ennis. Man, I got nothing but positive things to say about him. I mean, that kid's another kid, phenomenon. I mean, he's like the boogeyman of the division. I mean, behind the scenes, you know what I'm saying? Like, guys know like they they doing this right now. Yep. These guys know, and um, he could fight, he could box, he could brawl. He got scary power, man. For somebody who's built like him, um, he can punch, man. You know what I'm I, saying? I, I interviewed him, too. Yeah, man, that's a that's a that's a hell of an interview because he's gonna be something in the game for a while. And for me, uh, Boots Ennis, from what I've seen, but that's another guy who right like how do we know till Boots steps up? But yeah. we're basing it off of what we potential. See. see, yeah, we're basing it off of potential, and I think that that's how we're judging Terrence Crawford. But but I definitely see, um, I definitely see Boots Ennis as. A force to be reckoned with, man. In the now you say you, now you say you're a fan of Devin Haney. What do you think about Devin Haney? Man, I've saying? always said that kid could fight, man. Even you know, even before I even got a chance to meet him, I always said he could fight. Man, he just he boxes. He reminds me a little bit, and this may sound cliche, but he reminds me of Floyd Mayweather a little bit. He does mm. that Floyd Mayweather does, and, and used to do when he was his age. A lot of lateral movement, good boxing, good jab, good combinations, very smart, good IQ. Um, I'm not saying he's Floyd. I'm not saying that he's the next coming of Floyd. But I'm just saying I see the similarities there. And um, he's just a fantastic boxer. And his father has done a fantastic job at, at bringing him to different coaches and letting yeah. other trainers work with his son, you know, and just being open to that. So therefore, his son can get a different understanding and a different mentality of, you know, how 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 boxing works and it's showing and it's working, man. What he's done with his son is phenomenal. It's just a good thing, man. I love it. Another upcoming fight, December fifth, is you know you already know that there's Danny Swift Garcia, Sean um, Earl Spence, but we, the same day is Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell. Interesting, interesting. Um, Ryan Garcia has been impressive as of late, man. Yeah. I mean, I had, you know, there was one time, and I feel bad, a little, little behind-the-scenes story, man. I'm going to say it publicly. I feel a little bad because there was a girl in my gym that really liked Ryan Garcia. She was like, oh, my God, Ryan Garcia. So when I saw Ryan Garcia at a Tevin Farmer weigh-in, um, I actually walked up to him and said, yo, would you mind saying, like, what's up to one of my girl fighters at my gym? She's a big fan of yours. So he was like, yeah, no problem. You know, he told her, hey, sweetheart, I, you know, thank you, blah, blah, blah. He, he, he like, show love. I was like, yo, good looking. We started following each other, all of that. And then something happened with Tevin Farmer and him on the internet. And uh, <laughs> I went ahead and said some foul shit. And I was like, man, Tevin Farmer will stop Ryan Garcia. 
<laughs> unfollowed me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the new beef. <laughs> the new beef. <laughs> like, he was like, I was like, man, you know, whatever, man. It is what it is. But Ryan Garcia, I ain't got no problems with you, man. Look, I'm impressed with him. I think that he's doing a good job. I think he looks good. And I just think that he's got a really bright future in the sport, man. I think he's like, he reminds me of Oscar De La Hoya, man. Like, he's like the new version of Oscar De La Hoya. They're grooming him up. He's the, he's the golden boy right now. Yo, yeah, I want to know how people um follow. I want to know the process, like, like, like. <laughs> I gave that motherfucker a picture for his student. Fuck him. You know what I'm That's it. You're not my friend. <laughs> I'm one of them guys. Like, you know what I mean? If I'm with you, I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? I'm with Tev, man. Like, Tev's my guy. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Nah, nah. Hey, look, I did a video. A video, and, and look, we now we laugh about it. Now we laugh about it. Um, I did a video of uh, of Ryan Garcia when you know, in July, he he decided not he didn't want to fight on July fourth, and then he pulled then he pulled out of another fight that that Golden Boy Promotions had in store for him, and I'm like, come on, man, you the new Golden Girl, and I did a whole skit, you know, my video and stuff like that. Oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> the Garcia camp hit me up. Not really, not really. The camp, the the Garcia, the Garcia camp hit me up. Say you a damn asshole. I said, <laughs> yo. But then he hit me up. He hit me up on, on on Twitter, and he's like, um, yo, you. I don't take that. I don't take that from heart. Yo, you a funny guy. You make me laugh. And I'm like, yo, that's what's up. I thought that you know you would have been on some, you know. That, that you would have had like feelings or whatever, you know how they say, man. Nah, man, I don't take it serious, man. I see it's entertaining, man. You make me laugh. I'm like, all right, cool. That's good. That's good. That's, that's good character on his behalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they do it. Boxers do it. They talk trash, knowing that it's not really. I'm talking trash about you. We just promoting the fight. So right. it's almost the same thing. I'm promoting a content. Right, right. I, mean, right. I don't got nothing really against you. You know, if I don't like a fighter, you would know. You know, but. You know, it is what it is, man. Right, right, right. But I, I got Ryan beating Luke, Luke on that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, Ryan's really looking real good, man. As of lately, man, I give him his props. He looks sharp. He looks good with Reynosa. Looks like they they're doing a good thing by him. Him being next to Canelo, I think it's helping his confidence too. So I think when you get a talented fighter and you put him in an environment where their confidence can be raised, that's when you get the best fighter. I think that that's another overlooked strategy by trainers is put your fighter in an environment of other quality fighters so then they can go ahead and rise up you know what i mean and uh sometimes that's what a fighter needs i think a young fighter like ryan garcia is benefiting from that i'm asking a question what you feel about what paulie mananaji said he said back then jewish and irish was running boxing and then in the 70s 60s to the 90s african-american fighters and then he said now is um eastern europeans he got fired from 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 showtime for the for saying those comments saying that it was a racist no and he also said no nah, let me add i'm sorry he he also said that he didn't feel in 2020 there's no oppression in america that's another that's that's another um um conversation if you want to add on that one, we can add on that. One. We go deep on that. But do what do you do? You feel he's right that Eastern Europeans right now is 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 the come up in boxing. Um, I think Eastern Europeans are taking boxing very serious. 
I think that they, you know, it's the number one sport over there, if I'm not mistaken. Or number mm. two, it's up there. This is in the top two or three sports in the UK. Like it used to be in America back yeah, in the in America, I believe it's five or six. And in, in the UK, it's like one or two. So that tells you right there how serious they're taking boxing. So I don't know what the data shows. I don't know what the numbers show. But I'm pretty sure that they're taking it serious over there. Um, you know, I don't know if they're the, 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 I don't know if you can compare what they're doing, though, to the what happened here in the United States with the Jewish and Italian fighters and the blacks and the Latinos. I don't think you can compare it because I don't see blacks and Latinos stopping anytime soon over here. I think that we embrace fighting. We love it. We like to do it more. I think that a lot of the Jewish and the, and the Italian fighters somehow got out of it. You know what I mean? Either they decided to do something else or whatever the case may be. But we kind of kept on with it. We're running with it. And, um, and that's just really basically, I don't think that's ever going to stop in the United States of America. I think we're constantly going to produce some of the best black fighters and Latino fighters, you know, that you're going to find in the world, not just in the United States. I think that we're going to produce the best boxers in the world. So my personal opinion is, you know, that UK is not taking it over now. As far as pressure in, uh, in America, I think that that's a deep, deep rooted subject, and I don't even know we have enough time to get into that right now. You know what I mean? I hey, you can make you know it's a brief, brief. You can make it brief because I'm I, because here, here in Punch Drunk Boxing, man, we get deep, we get deep pause up and hip. <laughs> I mean, I just think obviously in pause. I mean, I mean, yo, look, man, it's when it comes to the to the racist issues in this country. And, and the oppression issues and all that type of stuff, man. Um, no PG, no PG. Let it, let, let, hey. I just think that, I just think that it's unfair to say that it doesn't exist, to say the least. We can't say it doesn't exist. Saying something exists is like saying electricity doesn't exist. Like, oh, it exists. Now, at what level that people are blowing it out of proportion or whatever, that's a whole different situation. But to say that, it doesn't exist. It's like saying police brutality doesn't exist or judging somebody doesn't exist. Like it all exists. Let's just be honest about it. So, you know, for me, for me, it's just the situation of how far do we want to use this as a, as an excuse on why we're not getting ahead or whatever. That's a whole nother topic in itself. You feel what I'm saying? So I don't know if he should have got fired though. I just think that you know, I just think that he spoke his mind, and I think that you should be allowed to speak your mind. And it's unfortunate that as soon as you bring up anything on that line of you get fired, it's kind of unfortunate that that's the world we live in right now. Look, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. It says wants to access controller Safari, blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to say don't allow. All right, go ahead. Something popped up on my screen. I don't know what that was. Now, I'm going to say this. In America today, in my opinion, there's no oppression. In my opinion, there's no oppression. Now, like you said, there's levels to some shits, right? I say it like this. What's the hold on? Before I speak on something, what's the correct definition of oppression? What is the definition of oppression? I mean, we could Google, but I don't want to Google. So let me just give you my oppression is for me, somebody's oppressing, make somebody's keeping you from attaining something or growing, keeping you in one spot. They're oppressing you from having something. I mean, they, they're keeping you from gaining something 
attaining something. Disenfranch this probably disenfranch disenfranch how you say it? Disen whatever. I can't get the word right. But I think it's just keeping you from 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 gaining or or things things of that nature. I feel like ain't no man, no woman is gonna stop me. There's no way I'm oppressed by anything. I just feel like, in my opinion, today in 2020 in America. Now, if you would have told me this in 18, 19, oh, back in the days. Now, for me, yeah, there was oppression, but the oppression kept you from attaining something. There could be oppressing now, but I just don't see it because there's nobody going to stop me from attaining anything I want. Right. It, 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 I think, like you said earlier, it's this level to oppression. So maybe you're not being oppressed in a such a in such a way where it's blatantly in your face but there may be obstacles put in your way that you may not even realize are obstacles to prevent you from getting to a certain dynamic maybe you want to get into a certain industry maybe you want to buy a certain part of real estate or something maybe some people control these things and they're not allowing you to get involved with that that's another way to oppress you from getting to that next level that you're trying to get to but maybe just opening up your laptop and creating a platform. Yeah, you're not oppressed to do that. But when you say levels to this, you know, we have to talk about what do we own as Latinos? What do the black people own as African-Americans? What are the things that we really, really own at the highest level that control this country? And I just think that it's difficult for us to get up there now. Is it impossible? Nothing's impossible. But when it's more difficult for you than it is for another group of people, I just think that uh, that's a form of oppression. But at the same time, I don't believe in making excuses on why you're not living a happy life, on why you're not you know, succeeding. Because a lot of the people that are complaining about oppression don't even want the things that they're complaining about. So it's like, what, what are you complaining about? Like, you don't even want that. So if you're happy living how you live in and you're able to wake up every day and do what you want to do and ain't nobody got you in shackles, hey, man, you're living a good life now. Let's be appreciative and let's try to get better. But, you know, man, to each his own. But it's like, like you said, the best way to say it, there's levels to, to everything. And I just think that people who are too smart know too much and then they get stressed. Sometimes it's better not to even know some stuff. You think yeah. But it's almost like also th- like you when you just mentioned about, you know, that what do we own to keep, to have some control? But even that, we want control. So we want the same thing that other people, that the one that's controlling us, we want control. You know? Are we are we trying to have control? Or we just have or we just trying to have a decent life. Because it's just the one percenter that's going out there. Like, are you trying to have control and be the and, and control a well, whole that's what I mean. So my thing is my thing is is look. All I'm saying is if you go down in Manhattan right now and you look at the big skyscrapers or whatever, how many Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Brazilians, you know, do you know black people that own those buildings? And if we wanted to own those buildings, can we even get a chance to own those buildings? And, and when I when I'm talking about stuff like that, what I'm saying is I don't know. I'm not I'm not really the smartest guy in the subject, but from what I know, it's not as easy for us. It's not as easy for us to do certain things. And uh, when it's not as easy, you're making it a little harder for me. Just our environment alone, the neighborhoods that we grow up in, growing up in the inner city alone, that environment being from that environment 
it's just more difficult than growing up in like a suburban upper scale environment. So you're influenced by what's around you. This gets deep. This is that's why I said this is such a deep topic that we can go today. <laughs> because think about it. If you grow up in the city, right? Mm-hmm. You're starting to break up a little, just so you know, and yeah, and you're starting to look like how my camera did oh, yeah. two nights ago. I don't see it. I think uh, on my end it looked good. Okay. All right. Cool. So think about this: if you grow up in the South Bronx, you charging, you charging your your laptop, right? It's charged. Uh, I got sixteen percent. No, I'm not charging it. But where I'm set up, I really can't. But anyway, I'll get to that. But just a quick point. I don't know how we got here. But if you grow up in the South, if you grow up in the South Bronx, right? Mm-hmm. And let's just say you grow up, you grow up, you don't know where you're born, right? You're born into a family. You're just here now. You just, you know, you're a young kid, eight, nine, ten years old. You live in the in the hood. And the only people that are successful around you are the drug dealers. And the people who you see with the nice cars, the drug dealers and stuff like that, because those guys couldn't go to colleges and stuff like that. They weren't, you know, their parents didn't pay for them to go to college because they couldn't afford it. And so they ended up figuring out another way to get money on the street, et cetera, et cetera. You're a young kid looking up to these people. You you are aspiring to be successful. And what you your definition of success is different than somebody who grows up where they're Neighbors a doctor, their layers are the 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 judge, the other neighbors are freaking chief of police, and you grow up and you want to go to college now. You want to become a chief of police, you want to be a lawyer, you want to you want to be all these things that are upstanding citizen jobs because it's what you grow up seeing. But we grow up, we see the wrong things, we want to be the wrong things. Now we go to jail, now we got criminal records, now we got these records. When we come home, we want to get a good job. You can't get a job because you a felon. But it was a setup from the beginning. So, you know, my whole thing is it's not it's not all one side. You have to listen to both views. And I'm not Republican or Democrat. I'm going to keep it a buck. I don't I'm not either one. So I'm not leaning toward either one. But I'm just saying I see both views. But when I also see when I see somebody complaining and moaning and griping and they're not doing nothing to change their situation and they're just accepting all the help that the government gives, and they're not trying to get out there and get it on their own, I can't respect that either because I'm an entrepreneur, and I've been getting it, and I'm not complaining. You see what I'm saying? So it's somewhat of a – it's a very funny, touchy – like, it's one of those situations. I almost don't even want to touch it. I'm like, you see, I'm like, I don't even want to touch it right now because I know people have such strong views on both sides. You know what I mean? I just think, look, when you uh, – when you – you know, you with your your lady or your wife, and then you have kids. You know, you become a leader. You're a, you're a leader. They look at they look for you to lead. If if the father in the household is fickering, is saying, is blaming something on somebody else, your wife is gonna be double times as stressed. And then the kids know that the parents are stressed. And your whole your whole is ambiguity. Your your whole household. So if my if I tell my son. Morally, morally, I don't care how the world is. I tell my son, you could achieve anything you want to be, right? That's what we tell our kids. You could be whatever you want to be. So if I tell my kids I could be whatever, I I mean, you could be whatever you want to be. But then I complain that somebody's oppressing me. No, because morally, you telling your kids you could be whatever you want to be. That oppressing, I don't see it. It's Casper the Friendly Ghost. 
it's there, but it doesn't affect me. Before, okay. and that's what I mean. So you're acknowledging that it exists, but it's not enough to stop you. Yeah, yeah, and I, I and I, and I feel like it's like well, that. Romanaji said it. He said it doesn't exist as if it's a fantasy in the minds of the he's, minorities. He's, that's stretching the truth now. Now what you're saying is we're bugging. That shit don't exist. Y'all got the same opportunities as us. We got the same opportunities to a degree. Yeah. But then it gets capped out when we try to get to another level. You dig what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So my point is, you know, there's a thin line there. It's, it's like, bro, if you like, you, I see you drinking right now. You're drinking some moonshine. What if somebody put nothing but moonshine around you on a Friday night and said, Joe, you can't have a drink. You can't have not one sip of moonshine. You okay. know what I'm saying? You got to have water. And you like, damn, though, I'm trying to get nice on the weekend. You're going to slow Okay, so now you can't do something that's attempting you, but you have nothing but temptation around you. That's how it is for a kid growing up in the hood. You got nothing but temptation around you from a very young age, and you expect this kid to walk a straight and narrow line his whole entire life. And then he gets caught up on a weed charge or something stupid. Now he goes to jail, and then it happens again or whatever. Now you got a criminal record. Now they could judge you and say, look at you, criminal. You've been getting arrested since you was 14, blah, blah, blah. You can't come over here. You can't do this. You can't do that. So it's like, bro, you set me up. Like, you know, then you got these other kids who grew up in, in a privileged situation, and they know the judge, and the judge is friends with their father, and they, hey, man, can you just sweep this under the rug? That's gone. And now next thing you know, these kids, nobody knows anything about their wrongdoings. Come on, man. It's like we have to be real. Oppression exists, but if you let it stop you, that's your fault. Yeah, and, and also I, I do you know what I think you know what I think lacks in our community? Accountability. Right. So if we do know, if we have a feeling like we're gonna get jerked, we're gonna get this. Like you said, oh, he got arrested with a weed charge. Why are you smoking weed if you know it's breaking the law? Yeah, it's petty, but why are you smoking weed? You know you well, can get you arrested. Know, well, you're going to smoke weed. Let's be smart about it and let's not be caught doing it. You know what I mean? Exactly. But because th think about it. Like, um, okay, let's say I'm uh, I'm living a suburban life. A suburban life is new to me, right? It's new. I'm a city. I'm from New York, Wash Heights, Harlem, BX. It's a whole different lifestyle. I see that in the, su in the suburbs, they do drugs. But you know what? They do it in their house. In the city? We do drugs outside. <laughs> you see the crackheads in the park. Everybody's smoking. We in the stool drinking and smoking. We do it outside because we don't want to be crunched up in a little uh, in a little apartment. In the suburban, I feel I see that yo, there's a football game. People go to each other's houses. In the city, we heading to the bar. We go out and do our thing. What well, suburban? Some of it, but some of it is programmed like on how we were raised up. Like that's why I said when you say this is deep. This is so deep, uh, Moonshine, that I can't, like, I really believe that we could talk about this all night because I see both views. I see both sides, but I can be a devil's advocate again because, you know, listen, listen to the music we listen to. We like hip hop. We talk about criminal this, criminal that, right? So it makes us look bad. But who owns the labels? And then if you think about who owns the labels, you also have to think about who pushes it. Who distributes it, yeah. Who pushes it? So you got a rapper out here rapping about something positive and he gets shelved. 
Then you got another kid who's getting pumped and getting bred because he's talking about some criminal activity. So now the next kid coming up is like, yo, I'm not rapping about that. I'm getting to the bag. I'm rapping about that. And what is he doing? He's trying to make legal money. He's trying to do things the right way by being a rapper and not actually doing what he's talking about in his raps. But he's yeah. still talking about negative stuff, that which in turns influences somebody in the hood to do negative stuff which then influences the next kid behind one, each one teach one. So it gets so deep that it's just like, bro, this mind control thing is real. Like, this is a it setup. Is. This it is, is a setup. So we have to remember, you can't relate to us if you never lived like us. It's easy to judge somebody from the outside. It's like judging a boxer. Yeah. Oh, that boxer should have threw the left hook to the body. You get punched in your face. For fucking three rounds. Matter of fact, for one round, and let's see me, let me see you slip, go to the body, pivot, throw the overhand, do this. Let me see you do that. Let me see you wake up, go running and train and do that. So how can somebody who never lived in the hood, somebody who does not knows nothing about the minorities personally, you can know what you saw, but you didn't live it, tell me that oh yeah, we equal. Oh, you don't know. You don't know you ain't us. So that's the mind, that's the mind control right there for me. When I say that there's no oppression. If I say racism is an illusion, you my people, you my people from the same community, you're gonna be like, come on, yo, come on, punch, yo, moonshine, you tripping right now. And I'll be like, nah, racism is an illusion. I'm not giving you that power because I know there's a power that be that once is divided, that one is once once us emotional. Once we identify where you want me emotional, I'm like, nah, you know, racism. I don't see it. Nobody's oppressing me. But then it's like, yeah, there is oppression. No, nobody's oppressing me. I don't believe in racism. I think it's a made up word. I'm mind fucking myself and make a billion. I'm going to mind fuck my, my own kids so they cut cheese so they won't think that they're going to be self victimhood about something. Because once okay. you have that self victimhood about something, you're always going to blame it on somebody. Right. Sure I like that strategy. That's a good strategy because look, man, I got some really good friends from all races and i have nothing bad to say about any race you know what i mean and i also have something to, i just have I, I look at it from both sides like i said i believe that there's some form of unfairness in this world for for black and brown people but i also feel that there's a lot of excuses in our community and i feel like there's a lot of issues that we need to fix within ourselves that if we don't fix them Ain't nobody going to fix them for us. And now in 2020 with the internet, with the technology that we have, the fact that you can Google anything that you want to know within 1.1 seconds, there's no excuse for somebody coming up in this day and age to not make something of himself. Um, or at least be so educated and understand the loop, the, 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 the obstacles he's going to have to overcome to get there. So I think that these new era of kids need to just be smart and just be educated and um self-education is what they need they need to really self-educate because some of the stuff that you need to learn to survive out here you're gonna have to learn it on your own you're gonna have to because somebody might not teach it to you there's the error of information there's the error of information and the, for me the people that is, i think the sad people in life is the people that withhold information i can't live knowing that something is working and i'm not going to tell my people's on my circle and I think that's what happens in our community too. Is a is a thing that I can't wait to leave the hood. But yeah, we when we make it out the hood, we don't go back and teach them how they could leave that mindset, whether it's physically or mentally. 
That's what the, I think that's the problem in our community as well, that they, they are successful stories, but they leave. We leave. So well, we don't the, see the, it. The good thing is we got the Internet now. So as long as the people go like as long as guys like yourself and other people that that made it and whatever can go ahead and say, listen, man, this is what I did. You can do it, too. And they actually can look up to you in a positive way. And then that that's what I was talking about as far as what we look up to. Good thing is we got the internet. The bad thing about the internet is a double-edged sword, right? You can look up at ignorant shit all day. I be having people that I'm cool with sending me nothing but ignorant stuff all day. I'm like, this is what you're looking at on the internet all day? The only thing I'm looking at on the internet is like different ways to empower myself. When I'm on YouTube, I'm constantly educating. YouTube is like my college, like education. Any, any questions I got, I go to YouTube and hope that somebody made a video on it. So... For me, it's about educating yourself. And I just think that, um, you know, if, the, if these kids can just find, you know, somebody, something in somebody successful that looks like them. You always resonate better to somebody that looks like you. You know what I'm saying? Like me, I started boxing because of Felix Tito Trinidad. When I saw Felix Trinidad, Trinidad I was like, oh, Puerto Rican. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, that's me. In my own mind, I was Felix Tito Trinidad when I was hitting the bag. Like, he inspired me to box. And um, it's because he was a Puerto Rican fighter and he was a, you know, darkest skinned Puerto Rican fighter. And I was just like, yeah, Tito. So when we see something that re reflects us doing mm -hmm. the right things and showing it, like, look, man, you could be me. If, if you're looking at your grandmother and your, or your mother or your father and they're working hard 12 hours a day, but they could still barely put food on the table. And you're like, I'm not doing that. Look how hard you got to work, ma. Look how hard you got to work. And I'm out here and seeing all these other guys out here doing their thing. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be like, you're going to be like, I'm not doing that, man. I'm going to go ahead and hustle, man. I got to get to this money. And that's the problem. You know what I mean? Now, off the record, I told you about this person that's that that's, that went to DR to scout other person. Remember I told you, right? Yeah. My now, backing up. My bad. Now, put it this way. Now, look at this platform. Right, mm -hmm. it's not a big platform, but that's the biggest platform in boxing right now. That's what, what I'm talking about. about. Tell them, guy, we're gonna take a shot for that one. We're gonna take a shot with that one. That's what I'm talking about. Damn it, smash the like button. <laughs> now, this how this how I see it. Now, I've said it before, and I told you this before. I said I'm not money driven. Right, there's certain things that satisfy me. Of course, I want. I, of course, I, I I like I want money. I like money. I like to pay my bills, and and, and I like to be comfortable when I, of course, anybody wants to be that. But I had an interview with somebody. Somebody saw that interview. Now, that little interview could impact somebody's life so big that it's worth more really than money. Like if I see that person that's going to get scouted, let's say, and hopefully this person gets signed, makes right. his life better, comes to this country just off this platform. And I'll look at it and I'll be like, yo, then I'll be like, I'll feel, I'll feel so grateful and a blessing that I had this platform that created this, this dream that this somebody else had where we wasn't even a connection. I mean, we couldn't, we connected in some ways, but you never, I, I always knew from the beginning, you never know who's looking. I don't care if there's one person looking at my, my, my stream and I don't care if it's 10,000. There's gonna be a life that I'm going to be, that I'm going to change. I know that I'm going to see to that. I'm very positive about that. 
It's one way I'm going to motivate you some way, you know? So, and I see that in trainers. Trainers have, trainer could instill something that you never thought that you had. You could have a kid that doesn't, that, you know, didn't have heart, was scared. I, I, I could tell you how many kids I've trained that don't, and then to this day, don't know how good they could be, man. And I just be like, that's crazy, man. Like, if you only knew. I got a kid by the name of Marshall, uh, Marshall Schreiber. I had this kid since he was eight years old. This kid a box. He don't know it, though. That's the crazy part. Oh, okay. Outs himself and stuff like that. And he's about 14 years old now, and he got over 40 fights. Talented. But if you knew how much he doubted himself in certain situations, but if you knew how talented he was, you'd be like, why are you doubting yourself? And it's like that with human beings, all walks of life. You know what I mean? We doubt ourselves. And there's always people looking from the outside saying, damn, man, you got it, man. Just go for it. And we don't see it. Like, we can't see it. So it's my job as a trainer to try to, like, really take a person and say, dude, you you really could do this, man. Like, stop stop playing. Like, you got this. You know what yeah. I mean? So Yo, it's, I, I think it's, it's powerful. I mean, it's powerful what you do. It is powerful. Just think about a kid that, Let's say he he had no courage, and then years later he'd be like, and you know, let's say let's say you was a trainer, he and he was paying monthly, right? And you working with a lot of you working with a lot of people, just like teachers work with a lot of students, and they move on to the next grade, and they move on to the next grade. But this person comes up to you and be like, you know what? You inspire me. You changed my life. I never got bullied again, or, or things of that nature. That probably one fifty hundred dollars that he paid you a month. When you listen to that. That's priceless. Yeah, that's that's nothing. That's nothing. When you, that's what I try to tell people, man. Like boxing is deeper than jabs, crosses, and hooks, man. It's like it teaches you so much. It teaches you hard work. Like, listen, man. When you want to quit, that's, especially in a, in, a, in the boxing workout or even in a spark, when you want to quit and you have to talk to yourself, like, no, 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 I got to get through the round. I got to get through the round. I got to push through. I got to push through. What do you think that does in your work life? What do you think that works when something personal happens in your life when you want to quit? You learn to work through the pain. You learn to develop character. And that's something that boxing teaches you through the physical fitness aspect of it, through the through the blood and guts aspect of nutrition it. Nutrition, too. Yeah, for the nutrition, everything, the discipline. You got to be disciplined. You want to be successful, you got to go to sleep at a certain time. You got to wake up. You got to do Boxing teaches you that, like. It teaches you discipline. It holds yourself accountable because if you don't do what you're supposed to do, it's going to show when you go to the gym. So boxing teaches you accountability. So it'll take somebody like what you were talking about that you said that we don't hold ourselves accountable and it will force you to be accountable. And then what ends up happening is you transfer that over to other areas of your life and you don't look at everybody else. You look at yourself. That's what I love about boxing. Boxing is an independent sport. So since I had to, when I was an amateur boxer, I had to be independent. So it taught me that if I don't get it done, it doesn't get done. And that's one of the greatest lessons you can learn from boxing. If I don't run, guess what? I don't get in shape. If I don't wake up, guess what? I miss my exercise routine, whatever. If I don't throw these punches, I lose the fight. It's up to you. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with life, right? Boxing is a metaphor of life. If you don't yep. do what you're supposed to do, you still, at the end of the day, even with all the obstacles in front of you, you can't blame nobody but your damn self because you didn't try. And that's what that's what boxing teaches. Hey, you can't you can't be oppressing boxing that boxing ring. 
Once you're in yeah. there, you're in there, yeah. man. It don't matter if you're oppressed. Like you said, it don't matter. If I come into the room, look, you judge me. Look at this guy. He got the Yankee hat on. He got the hoodie on. He a minority. He from New York City. He's pro. And then how I'm, I'm, and then I just start like, yeah, whatever. So look, guys, today, what we're going to focus on is, and then they start listening. They're like, wow, this guy knows what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, but that's that, that's that's exactly what I, that's exactly what I've been saying. Yeah, like, it don't even matter no more because they're gonna be like, "Yo, I was wrong about that guy. That guy, yeah. no matter what I thought about him, he knows his stuff." And at the end of the day, we just want to connect with people who know what they're doing, who know their stuff, who are positive people, who are trying to get us better one way or another. So that's it's it's it's, it's the power of love. If somebody be like, yo, Coach Anthony, man, you ain't shit, bro. You man, you don't know how to do this. Be like, yo, I love you, bro. Um, you need something to eat, man. Shut up, man, man. Yo, Jesus loves you, man. Yo, I love you, my brother. And you hit him with that. That they can't get you to the point where you know, because you hit him with the yo, I love you. It's all right, man. You my brother. No matter what you say to me, you my brother, and I love you, man. I hope your family's doing good too. I'll do anything for you. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> that shit kills them because they'll be like, I don't even want to talk to you no more, man. All right, you win. Bye. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't bother you. It's like if you're driving and you cut somebody off and they'll be like, fuck you. And you'll be like, and you keep on driving. That's it. It was just a fuck you. It, it's, it didn't affect me. And that's what I mean about oppression. That's what I mean about racism. Is there racism out there? Yeah. But we live in a time where your racism is not going to affect me. We're not living in the age where if you read a book and the and, and you get killed by 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 them knowing that you learn how to read, and that's what I mean. Today, yeah, there's oppression, but the type of oppression today is not going to keep you. The oppression of yesterday, see, it's oppression and lack of opportunity. All we want is opportunity. I don't want shit from nobody, but if you give me that opportunity, you give me that 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 door, that crack door that I deserve to be open. Then I don't need no, I don't give me no handout, don't give me none of that shit. Give me that opportunity. Make sure that every human in this world gets what they deserve, and that's opportunity, that's freedom, and that's it. I take care of the rest. Right, right, right. That's always been my motto. I'm the same exact way there. I'm the same exact way. Yeah. Yo, guess what? I got like five percent left. <laughs> yeah. I think we can end it on this note. You know yeah, I mean? man, we can end it. Up, we can end it on this note. Oh, yo, again, it went deep. Pause, like real deep. Like pause yeah. again. Like yeah, pause like, again. Hey, yo. <laughs> but yo, you know, but but it's real. Look, man. At the end of the day, man. You know, boxing life, baby. You know what I mean? Boxing is like boxing life, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? Good night. All I gotta do. Okay. Enjoy listening to you. Chop it up. Good looking out, chit, chit, chit. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? And, you know, listen, man, at the end of the day, we all human beings. We all want to be better. We all, at the end of the day, I believe, I truly honestly believe most people, you know what I mean, have the right intent. And, you know, you're going to bump into a few people who don't. You just got to put your blinders on, man, you know what I'm saying, and stay focused, and you'll be all good. You know what I mean? Please let everybody know about your the the Zoom, the virtual um training that you do. Yeah, so you know, I have a I have a website, coachanthonyboxing.com. I have digital downloads that you could download. You can go ahead and download uh, you know, anything from how to do footwork, uh how to counter punch, the Philly Shell, right? The world famous Philly Shell. I got a whole system on it. Uh just a lot of different things that you can learn. I also provide a Zoom session or 
any kind of session, stream yard, whatever I decide to use that basically gives us a chance to interact one-on-one -on -one and I can actually train you. And I also have my YouTube channel, Coach Anthony Boxing, where I'm giving out free boxing techniques. So if you don't want to go to my website, if you don't want to spend any money with me, all good. Go to YouTube. I got nothing but a bunch of free stuff on there. You can just go up and down the list, get to know who I am if you don't know who I am. And hopefully you can get something out of it. I know you will. If you they know who you are. You world-renowned trainer, man. World-renowned, man. You know, you know what, man? It's funny because everything I ever said I wanted to do um, as a coach, I basically done. Now it's just about taking it to the next level. So if you believe you really can't achieve, you know what I mean, like they say. And, uh, you know, it's crazy. I said I wanted to open a gym. I did that. I said I wanted to work with a – uh, a high-level professional fighter on HBO. I did that. Showtime did that. Um, then I said I wanted to work with a guy who fought for a world championship one day. Did that. Then I did it again. Then I said, you know what? We fell short those two times we went for the world title. I love to work with a fighter who actually wins the world title. Did that. So, you know what I'm saying? Everything I wanted to do, I did it. And I did it in a pretty significantly quick period of time. So, you know, it's, it's really the law of attraction, the energy you put out into this universe. All of that stuff is real, man. Take it serious. Keep them positive vibes. Don't be out here soaking up too much of this negativity that's going on in the end. And I know it's real easy to get trapped into it. That's why I kind of try to like deflect it and shoulder roll it whenever I can. Because for me, man, I just know where it ends up. It always ends up in an argument. It always ends up in some sort of a debate or people feeling funny with monks each other. And it's just not worth it at the end of the day, because as soon as that conversation is over, you're like, damn, that was a pretty cool dude, man. We just ruined our relationship over something stupid. So, you know, just try to deflect that, keep your positive mentality and just, you know, whatever your thoughts and beliefs are, you know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that, but just try not to push that on nobody else who disagrees with you. Just do you and you'd be all right, man. You'd be good. Yeah. I'm with that, man. Thank you very much, man. It's a blessing. It's an honor to have coach Anthony, with us, man. Spend a lot of man, I love your show, man. I love what you're doing. I see you going very, very far. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate it. I'm honored that you brought me on here. I'm honored that you reached out to me, man. Trust me. Uh, I don't think of myself as somebody who, you know what I mean? You bring value too, man. I appreciate you, my brother. Man, thank you. I appreciate that. appreciate yeah. that, brother. All right. So, yo, have a great night. Have a blessed night. Drink some wine. You already know. Chill with the wife. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, like, like, baby. All right, brother. Uh, <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Hold on.